0: You are listening to the Mad Device Rep podcast, a podcast dedicated to the men and women of the Red Hat Gang, aka the online community of medical device sales reps. I'm your host, the Mad Device Rep. What's up, Red Hat Gang, and welcome back for episode eight of the Mad Device Rep podcast. Hope everybody's having a strong finish to the year so far. No, we're getting down the home stretch now, especially by the time you're probably listening to this podcast. It's going to be the last month of the year for those who are in the traditional fiscal year. So today, we've got a special guest that has been on the show before. He's been a rep. He has been the head of growth. He's even been to med school, and he's now got his own gig and he started his own company where he's helping companies grow through the use of something called network effects. Now, I want to call specific attention right now to the show notes because our guest can help you with your LinkedIn profiles, free assessment, give you the tools and feedback that you need to make your LinkedIn profile appealing, whether it's to your own circle or also to recruiters when you're looking for that next best role. So with that, I want to introduce special guest, Omar M. Khatib. What's up, Omar? How we doing?
1: Brother, Brother MDR, it's a pleasure to be back on the show. It's an honor lucky number number episode number eight and i i think there's some kind of like deep occult secret society thing going on because you know if you take the letter the number eight and you flip it sideways it becomes infinity so hopefully this thing is just going to last on forever right (laughs) (laughs) you
0: you read into that a lot more than
1: than i did but i'm into it i think it's i think it's good we're going to run with it absolutely man absolutely look it's a pleasure to be on last episode Very Joe Rogan-esque, but people seem to love it. This one might turn into the same thing, but we're going to hit like the tactics real quick and fast. But before I do that, i got to raise a glass here and toast to you, my friend, because a little birdie told me that, what is it, November 28th today, and you, you hit quota early. Congratulations. Is that true?
0: I appreciate it. That is true. That is the first time in my entire career that I've hit a number before December. So, guys, whoever's out there still grinding, I feel it. I've been there. (laughs) It's very unusual to be in this situation, Um, but we're all here for you, and that's the whole part of this whole Red Hat Gang experience, is to, if you need help, you can find somebody that can get you there.
1: Absolutely, man. That's what this whole community is about. That's why... I've been following you for years and now it's a pleasure to not only be uh, like a partner with you and and you know helping helping each other with our content and everything but also to be a good friend man you know so and yeah, that's what it's all about and that's that's why the
0: biggest reason i do what i do is the connections and the community we've got a great group and another reason why it's good to have you back my friend so red hat gang tonight if you've been following me on Instagram, you'll see my last story post about the next episode, bringing Omar on, was for him to drop some knowledge on us about network effects. And so if you've been listening to the last few episodes of my podcast, you know that I've talked a little bit about his course, which is the Medical Sales Network Effects Program, something I've actually been through myself, where it's one of these courses that teaches you things that your, your company will probably never teach you which is really how to leverage the digital age to not only grow your business, but also expand your network. These things that you can take with you if you were to leave your company today. So first question I want to ask Omar. So Omar, you've had a great career in medtech. You've been a rep, you've been the head of growth. You've had that dual, that dual experience on the sales and marketing side. So you made the call to, to leave medtech tech. Not the industry, but industry companies to start your own thing. And can you tell us why you decided to make that call and and what your
1: company is all about? Yeah, totally, man. And and hopefully this can inspire some reps as well. Because <clears throat> if anything, like you know, my the mission of my company today is to really change how we commercialize things in the medtech industry. One side of it is helping salespeople and founders. But the other side is actually helping physicians, too, because physicians go through the same problems that reps are going through. A lot of them are, unfortunately, slaves now to massive hospital systems, uh, physician groups. They have no autonomy. And so there's a reason why physicians are making their own podcast, making content, doing stupid shit like trying to uh, do real estate investing with, like, a couple hours a day, which, by the way, is a terrible idea, right? Don't do that because you're competing with people who are doing it 24-7. But, like, that's a whole other conversation. Um, but essentially what happened was, you know, I I was, as you mentioned, I was, I'm been on both the sales and marketing side. I was the first head of growth in our industry and what growth is, is a tech term. It comes from the world of, uh, like, uh, when I say tech, like Silicon Valley. Um, so you see heads of growth in SaaS and, and, and other tech companies. And so I wanted to be the first head of growth in med devices. So I was, I did that when I was at Petrero medical and had a great career at Petrero medical. Worked for an amazing CEO. Um, it was very di- – that was the first company, like, I, I, I almost cried, actually, when I left because it was very, very difficult. But I left kind of like uh, like the prodigal son, actually. I, I left the company, but I also left the industry, and I was like, I'm going into SaaS to learn how to engineer growth. Like the, the level of expectations in SaaS, with, which a lot of reps will love to hear, is when you're a mar- head of marketing in SaaS, you're responsible for revenue, just like sales is. You don't do this nonsense that you see in our industry, which, sorry for the marketers who are listening, you you all know that what you do is product management and you do marketing as a hobby, right? Like, you all know that. And that's okay. But the fact that you know that now, you can make those changes. That's a whole other conversation. So I, I but anyways, to get back on track, like, you know, I went into the software world, did FinTech SaaS for a year. I, I was the head of growth for a FinTech SaaS company called Gentem, great company that focuses on uh, revenue cycle management and medical billing. So even though was SaaS was still in the medical world, And then, um, you know, I miss devices, man. I miss being close to the patient. Um, I think we work in the greatest industry on planet Earth. It's hard. It's got its problems. But you know what? I'm very proud of what I do because essentially what I help do is make salespeople and companies survive so they can bring life-changing technologies to market to literally save somebody's life versus, like, I mean, whatever. I love HubSpot and, you know, Salesforce is cool too, but, like, if those companies – got deleted off the face of the earth tomorrow. Like is every, is, is it going to be terrible? It'd be terrible for my business by the way, cause I'm a big HubSpot user, but you guys get the point. So, so I think co-
0: you just found the separation between the purpose in med tech and the purpose in SAS. Yeah. Which, not to <laughs> knock anybody in SaaS, but it's why people in med tech do the, are on that grind that they're on. Right. Is that deeper sense of purpose?
1: Oh, a hundred percent. And again, like, um, you know, I want to finish this, this story as quickly as possible because I, I really want to get to, like, providing, like, some really high-level, like, tactics, but also some really in, in, interesting insights. Like, well, like, what is network effects? There's something, some kind of, like, um, I, uh, you can call it uh, prophetic things I want to share on this podcast. And actually, I haven't even talked about this on my own episode, uh, podcast yet. Um, but, you know, like, look. I have a tremendous amount of love and respect for medical salespeople because it is the hardest job on planet Earth. This is one of the few jobs where every single one of your customers is smarter than you. Look, I went to medical school, but like that's not enough because every single one of your customers is smarter than you in the thing that, that, that you're dealing with, which is you're trying to, to engage and persuade somebody who's got 5, 8, 10, 15 years training in a certain area Right? If I go to HubSpot or Salesforce or some SaaS company, have I run a Fortune 500 company before? No, but I can relate to the CMO or VP of, of sales some way. It's a completely different world in our industry. Plus, unlike those, you know, <laughs> unlike those, those freaking weaklings over in the SaaS world, which by the way, SaaS, <laughs> you can learn a lot from SaaS in terms of how they engineer growth, their sales processes like their discipline is impressive. That all being said, Here's a SaaS process. You get a lead that comes in because you have a great marketing department that generates leads. Then you have what's called a sales development rep, an SDR who goes outbound. Their whole job is just to get on the phone, get on email and book meetings for the account executive. Then an account executive gets on the call and does their thing. And then when they have to do the demo, a lot of times the account executive isn't the one doing the demo. They bring what's called a sales engineer. Essentially, it's an engineer that works with sales to come and demo the product. Versus in our industry, you do the whole thing. That medical sales rep is that sales development rep. There's a sales engineer. They're the account executive. They're the closer. They're everything in between. They install it. You know, like find me another job that's harder than this. Physically, mentally, everything. Right. So like, I have a lot of respect for this industry.
0: When you just gave so much more context behind some of the meme pages I follow that I don't entirely understand their humor, like overheard sales sales banter, like those like customer success university, like they have funny stuff, but I don't entirely understand the jokes. Now I get it. Yeah, you yeah. just explained the entire sequence of what all of these different roles do that we essentially all do
1: ourselves. Yep, that's exactly right. So, in in. And coming back to the industry, it was uh, December of last year. So December 2021, uh, not December of 2021, November. November was when I left my company. And of course, my wife was at that point uh, pregnant and she was going to be due in May. So I said, okay, well, um, I live in Southern California. It's not cheap. I'm the breadwinner of the family. So and my wife's pregnant. I got to get a job. So I started interviewing and I was getting, you know, to be just Brutally honest. Uh, compensation packages I've I've never I never thought I'd ever see in my life. These are really big packages from companies because I was I had SaaS experience and I have med tech experience. So like it was both SaaS and med tech companies, but I felt nothing, man. And and I part of this I'm sharing this story so that like the reps who are listening that some of them might be at this point where I just felt nothing, man. I could not get excited and there was no technology that got me excited. And I remember talking to my wife about it, and I said, you know what? I, I'm tired of going and doing the song and dance for like a CEO. Like not every CEO is gonna be a Joe Urban. I, I have to go and like persuade and do a song and dance of like, hey, here's how we should do uh, the commercial side. right? Then if, once I get the CEO on board, I gotta, I gotta do that to the board. And then I have to go and persuade the VP of sales as to why that's gonna be valuable. And then, you know, and then if, even if they accept it, does their sales team do it? And I, I was just like, man, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm tired. I, I'm ready to be an entrepreneur. And I remember I hit it like, I've been a entrepreneur for 10 years. I've, I've had <laughs> companies on the side, etc. I was like, I, I think I'm ready to be an entrepreneur. My wife's like, I've been telling you to do it, you know, and she, and I have a, I, I have such a great wife, uh, to get like really, uh, See, I, t- I I knew this. I, that's why I told my wife. I told you I was like, let's do this at night after hours. I told my wife, I'm like, can you watch the baby because I'm talking to Mad Device, she's like, oh, it's gonna be a long night. I'm like, it's possibly, like, no promises. Um, my had wife the same conversation with your wife too. Yeah, I can't wait for us to do, all get together. Um, Would so, do. uh, my my wife isn't my wife is an, is from Turkey. Okay, like like myself, I'm half Iraqi, half Turkish. And again, we live in the modern age, uh, so there's no more. There's not exactly wars to be fought like like the old ways, right? But there's something about conquest, right? There's something that's attractive about that from both for both a man and a woman. And I think the idea of my wife for my wife to see her husband go on this big conquest, this vision that's bigger than myself. It's treacherous. Like We had no idea what's gonna happen. There's danger involved, all these things. I think it was really attractive to her, and she's like, look, we're gonna be fine. I believe in you. I, you have my full support, just do it, right? And so I did it. And in December, I said, great, I'm gonna be an entrepreneur. What, what am I gonna do for money? <laughs> I had no idea. I had no idea. And so it started with me consulting with Moon Surgical, where I applied this concept of a network effect to them. And I'm gonna explain what that means in a moment. So Moon Surgical is a robotics company based out of France. Um, At the time, they had just raised a seed round. Uh, Their chief uh, operating officer, Jeff Alvarez, who was employee number one at Oris, Fred, you know, which was exited to J&J for like, uh, f- I think $6 billion. Fred Mall, the founder of intuitive surgical handpicked Jeff Alvarez to be his employee number one. So that's the guy who I used to report to. And he came to me and said, Hey, look, I'm at the moon now. And me and, Ann, the CEO love what you do. We're going to JP Morgan healthcare in 30 days. Like I remember I was in Mexico when I got this call, we we're going there in 30 days. Um, Nobody knows us, and we need to raise money. Can can you help us? And I was like, "Man, Jeff, all right." <laughs> so in 30 days, um, we developed their language. Uh, we I worked with Jeff and the CEO Ann. Anne Ostwood, who's a fantastic CEO, extremely bright. She's 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 a CEO of a medtech startup and a venture partner. So you want to talk about like a badass? Like she's one of them. She's 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 she's. she's She's very, very good. Um, And in 30 days, we leveraged LinkedIn between her her page, Jeff's page, and the company page to proliferate the market, investor and surgeon market, with the technology to raise awareness, stimulate and create a signal so we can get early adopters and innovators. And obviously both on the investor side too. And then that kind of led all the way up to doing like a webinar event where we did like a live stream. It's still up on YouTube and, and my pages. And the result of that was that people knew who they were. They knew their story. They knew the technology and it all, it, it, it all ended happy, happily ever after because they raised $30 million Series A. And fortunately, I you know, played, I, played a, I played a part in that, you know, and I'm very proud to say that I helped with that, you know. I made it easier, Um, and Anne and Jeff both um, gave me a a wonderful testimonial saying that. So that's essentially how it started, and then this is kind of going to get into the course, not really the course, but what network effects are. Um, I realized that I cannot change. My mission is to change how we do sales and marketing in this industry, and I realized that I'm not going to be able to do it that way, just consulting one company at a time. I needed something that scaled. I don't know how to write software. I know how to teach, and so I was like, I should just make a course. So on December thirtieth, I did a live live webinar for salespeople called "How to Ten X Your Pipeline and Influence Physicians Using LinkedIn." Okay, and on I remember de- that you you remember that? Yeah, yeah. I think it might it, have been on my story. I think so. Yeah. And you know what's the crazy thing? On December 30th at like 6 p.m. at night, I had 100 people on that live. I've never had those numbers ever again, by the way. <laughs> and <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. And I'm, this is the first time I've ever talked about this, actually. Um, and I remember thinking so here's so I mentioned this because as a rep, like, look, I use LinkedIn to create a market and a business from scratch. I'm I'm in my tenth month of doing business right now, technically.
0: So LinkedIn LinkedIn was your primary platform. Like it wasn't Instagram, it wasn't man. TikTok, it was
1: LinkedIn. I use those platforms as well, but they, those are really like sp- it's, It sprinkles to the cake, man. You know, so it's 100% LinkedIn. And what's wild is um, something that people get wrong all the time is supply and demand. People go and, and create a product or a course, um, whatever it is. So they create the supply and then they go and try and generate the demand. It's very stupid. What you should do, which people feel is like unethical, but it's not, you create, you create the demand first, then you worry about the supply. So I f- put a framework together. And I'm like, I'm going to teach this course live starting in February 1st, and I'm going to give access to it from now. And I had like this sh- crappy Stripe page. And I was like, so for 1997, you know, so I went through this whole webinar pitch, like it was very, there's a very specific structure that I use. And I was like, for 1997, here it is. And lo and behold, I get a first sign up. You want to know who the first person who signed up for my course was? To- Tony Recupero, the president of publicly traded wow. SI Bone. And Tony, just so you guys know, like Tony Recupero was the VP of sales at, uh, Kyfon, uh, when he was like in his, I think late, like early 30s or something. So Kyphon uh, became the largest acquisition in spine history. I think it was like a, something like a four or $5 billion acquisition to Medtronic. Uh, Tony worked at us surgical. This guy is like one of the respected sales leaders in our industry. And he believed, he believed in me. He believed in my, in my vision. And he, sh- and he, he, Showed it with his money, man. And at that point, I was like, I got to make a course.
0: (laughs) Well, and I want to make sure listeners understand that that's a huge deal. And if you aren't familiar with Tony Recupero and his story, then you need to go to the State of MedTech podcast and listen to that episode because it's an incredible story. Omar does a great job interviewing him. Um, I'm not sure what episode number it was, but I just recently listened to it about four days ago.
1: Yeah. I can tell you it's episode number, uh, let's see 32. It is a a good episode. Yeah. It's a great story. And for those
0: who aren't familiar with us surgical, you know, with guys who come out of us surgical and are still in the industry, those are the OGs. Those are the, those the people are, from the people from US surgical special ops. Yeah, those the, are the special
1: ops very much. The people from US surgical built intuitive surgical. You know, and
0: they've played a big role. And even those who have moved on, have played a huge role in the innovation of the industry, whether it's robotics or other disruptive technology. It's, it's truly incredible that you can trace it back to this one company.
1: Yeah, no, it really, it really is. And so it's, yeah so to get that kind of endorsement really meant a lot and then you know long story short um, i've built the program up i think we've we we are we've crossed yeah we crossed over 100 members like not too long ago actually so that's just that's the main program there's there's a smaller version of the program that has a bunch of people signed up for it as well um and the main purpose of the program is that it's three things there's there's content there's community and there's events the content is Playbooks, videos, uh, presentations, so that's on ongoing continuing education for salespeople to get better. F- founders and CEOs, and even I have practicing surgeons for some crazy reason who signed up for this program. So they're learning how to leverage not only LinkedIn, but digitally. How, how do you use network effects? How do you persuade and do sales at scale, right? There's community in the sense that we have this private group. In the private group, people connect with each other. They hire one another. They collaborate on things. They make money together. And then the events. I started um, hosting not only a live call every week, but we started this new thing, which uh, MDR, you're going to be a lecturer in it next, which is called Network Grand Rounds. So just like in surgery, you have a Grand Rounds where you have a special speaker. We do our own. And so for Network Grand Rounds, we have... um, you know, people like Ira Kirschenbaum, who's chair of orthopedic surgery at BronxCare, come and do a lecture on how he gets technology into a hospital. Um, we had Dr. Whites on to talk about how a rep can become a true pl- uh, business partner to a practice. So my thing is just I want to provide the best quality content where people will say to themselves, like what somebody told me last night, like, I can't believe that not only do I have access to this kind of stuff, but that it's it's like I'm I'm literally hearing from a, a customer how to get technology into the hospital, like you know don't talk to this person and such. So that that's kind of what I aim for, and what I what I want to do from a vision standpoint is that I want this program to be essentially a pedigree of that these are the people who went through this kind of a program and they got trained and they went and just changed the industry, you know.
0: Well, and I think that was my reaction too. Is Going through the networks effect court network effects course where not only am I learning tactics but it's more like I can't believe I have access to this group of people where I felt so underqualified, and I mean that in in the best way possible where it was almost flattering to be part of this group <laughs> when I looked at everybody's titles I see VP I see CEO you know I see director titles um, it was it was incredible. And and the fact that everybody was so active in this group, like the engagement was high. Everybody's communicating. People are actively part of these coaching calls, not only to, you know, listen to what you have to say, but to also share these best practices with each other. Absolutely. So it's, it's, it's a cool thing. And what I want to ask you about it too, is when you talk about your course, you know, the elevator pitch of it for somebody who's listening that may have no concept of network effects, how would you explain that to them like what are what exactly is it that you're teaching?
1: yeah, I'll give you the short answer and then i i'll uh, will depart from the course and like focus on like providing like a, as much value as possible for free um, absolutely so the short answer is how do you drive technology adoption and do sales at scale that's literally. That's literally what it's about and a byproduct of doing this the right way is that the rep get, gets leverage. They get leverage in the market and most importantly, they get leverage in their career because you never know if things change, you get laid off or you don't like where you work and nothing breaks my heart more than seeing a talented rep stuck. Not everybody lives in New York or San Francisco or Houston or wherever. Some people are you know, living in small towns and it's like, well, I hate this job. I hate this boss I work for, but, like, I don't know if I can afford to work for somebody else. I don't think – I don't I can't move, so I'm stuck. So I want to give reps leverage. Um, would it be helpful if I kind of get a little meta on you and share what a network effect is? Yeah, let's go. Okay. And before we do, something I'm going to offer, and I hope I don't regret this because you, you have – you're, like, the biggest voice in this industry, but – I have hired some people, so I have That's some generous. help now. Um, rather than uh, people can watch my webinar, it's on my my LinkedIn page. Um, but to make it even easier, I want to provide value right away to people. So uh, MDR, I'm going to give you a special link. It's going to be a calendar link that goes straight to my calendar. So uh, I need some help. So it either most of the time it's going to be me on the call. It might be somebody from my team, but People can book that that call. It'll be a 30-minute call. I will give them a very high-level like analysis on their LinkedIn profile on what they should do to make their career and their sales uh, uh, processes better. And on that same call, we'll qualify them to see, like, are they a fit for the program? Because we don't admit everybody for the program. Um, but at the very least, I guarantee you, everybody who's talked to me, you walk away with at least three really good ideas that you can apply immediately. So I'm going to give you that link, and people can just just skip the webinar. They can just schedule time with me right away to get, get value.
0: Well, and I want to call that out too, because if you remember a few episodes ago, did a podcast with Mike Moore, very experienced recruiter, med tech and digital health. He's the man. He and said he's, he's also a member Mike's of the awesome. program. He's a member of the program. You did a podcast on, or you were, you were a guest on his podcast recently. And the number one thing that he says is when a candidate when he's talking to a hiring manager about a candidate, one of the first things he hears is the keyboard clacking. They're pulling up your LinkedIn profile. So you want to make sure that's buttoned up. So totally. very least, what you're going to get out of that 30-minute conversation is how to make sure that that profile is presentable. Absolutely.
1: And just quick side note, why, did, why is a recruiter in this program? Partly because he wanted to blow up on LinkedIn. The other side of it is that, he wanted to access to know who's going and getting trained on how to actually sell at scale and commercialize digitally, because he's the only recruiter in this industry who has a foot in the med device side and a foot in the tech SaaS side, and so he just wants to That's right. s- go go through pe- go through my member directory and place people for rep roles, direct roles, VP roles. So enough about the course. Let's like let's 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 get into this, okay? Yeah. Yeah, and let's go. And MDR, it's. You know how it, how it is for me at the end of the day um I'm I'm going to talk a lot <laughs> but I need you to I need you to do me a favor and like interrupt me with questions can you please do that I'm on it okay so let's for context um I'm going to shift into teacher mode right now we're going to talk about psychology and how you need to think about network effects so psychology of an individual how does that translate at scale to technology adoption, which is how Google, Uber, Facebook, these companies became billion-dollar entities, and how do you take that concept and apply it to you as, as a sales rep. That's what this is about. I'm going okay? I'm gonna,
0: I'm gonna to stop you with one question. So for reps who uh, maybe weren't business majors or haven't had the exposure to the inside of the business, when you talk about at scale, what do you mean by that?
1: Yeah, what, that, what it means is, is that at scale is that your, t- your, your costs – Meaning you're, 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 the money you put in, the time you put in starts to go down and the results start to go up. So if you think perfect. about perfect example, I sell at scale because when I go to sleep, people are still discovering some of my content. They're landing on my page. They're learning about me. Before I even talk to them, I've persuaded them. That's, that's what you do at scale. That's why investors love investing in software companies because there's no supply chain issues. It's just scale, you know? And so there's a way to do that as an individual. And for me, my hobby, I'll tell you, the, a lot of young marketers come to me for advice on like what market. There's some great marketing books to read. The books that have really made me a business, uh, an astute business person, books on history. You want to learn about real marketing at scale? Go study how propaganda was used in the 1900s, right? How it's still used, right? So the, you know, just for context. And again, it's the first time I'm talking about this stuff, so I hope it doesn't, you know, uh, blow back on me the wrong way. But just for context, like what I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna share right now. You remember Cambridge Analytica, the the company that got Donald Trump elected and they got like banned off Facebook cause they were running those ads oh, yeah. and everything. Yep. Yep. Okay, so I spoke to Cambridge Analytica in 2016 and I have, I have actually, I should, I should post on LinkedIn cause they're no longer around. So I'm not going to get like sued or something, but I actually have uh, some of their <laughs> files. So like those are the kind of things that I go out and I seek to study and figure out how did, how did they do this? So I'm not, when I go and do growth, I'm not saying, oh, like, how did this, how did this startup go from zero to $50 million? No, I, I go and study, like, hey, how did, how did, how did the, uh, how were British citizens influenced in Brexit? How did somebody like Donald Trump win the election in 2016, right? Like, re, like those are tried and true methods that have been around for centuries of how do you influence and, and, and persuade the masses, you know? So that's what that's what I'm well, going to get into.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's that's marketing in its most fundamental core. Oh, absolutely! You're, you're looking to to you know influence
1: a behavior, to influence an outcome. Uh, absolutely, man. So let's start. Let's start with a, with a, with a basis. The choices, the choices in what we do, um, who we have sex with, um, what food do we eat, what do we buy. These are all made through peer to peer systems because that's how evolution works. You 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 know when you buy toothpaste, right? There's a reason why America's number one choice is powerful because ain't no bigger tribe than America, right? And so to truly understand social media and network effects, you actually have to understand life itself, specifically biology. And it's no shock that Physicians are adopting social media platforms essentially to develop themselves professionally, like their professional brand, increase awareness of their services, so on and so forth, right? What is a shock, though, is the rapid growth of physicians and hospital administrators that are adopting the use of LinkedIn specifically and how they're doing it, okay? Um, a great example is the orthopedic community, but I'm seeing this in general surgery. I'm seeing this in vascular surgery, cardiology. It's, it's happening, right? Um, and so let's start with a network effect and how does that exactly work? Okay. So, and I'm going to define this for you. Okay. So a, a net, this is why I'm not having a beer right now either. Cause I was like, I have a beer. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to be able to like think, think, think straight. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's um, not a requirement to be drinking when you're on my podcast. So just <laughs> future guests just want to put that out there. I'm drinking a sparkling water right now.
1: So, the 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 simple definition of a network effect is a phenomenon where let's say a product or service gains more value as more people use it. Okay, perfect example. Um, you know, uh, if I if I if I uh, if I play a game on my phone and it's against a computer, there's no value to it. But when I play a chess game and I'm connected to another user that's value that it goes it grows in value Facebook the reason why do we why why is Instagram for example so valuable because more and more of our friends are using it so as more people use it that network that's on Instagram is more valuable same with LinkedIn right and so the value of your of a network of LinkedIn is growing that's why Microsoft's paid which a lot of people don't know is LinkedIn is owned by Microsoft. Microsoft bought LinkedIn for 28 billion dollars in 2015. For contrast, Facebook bought Instagram for one billion dollars in 2008. That being said, no offense to Instagram. Instagram was run by two designers. LinkedIn was run by the guy who's part of the original PayPal mafia, Reid Hoffman. And if you don't know who the PayPal mafia is, that's where PayPal was created by Elon Musk, Peter Thiel. Reed Hoffman, the guys who started YouTube, like go go look that up. Okay. So that being said, in order to actually like predict the future, right, there are like two laws to understand like what how does this network effect it work? Meaning, again, just to go back to the definition, something that gets more valuable as more people use it. Okay? So the two laws that you're gonna you're gonna you need to understand. There's one called Moore's Law, right? And the other one's called Metcalfe's Law, okay? Let's start with Moore's. Moore's is, Moore's Law, Moore is a, is a, is a co, is was the co-founder of Intel, okay? And in, I think, the 1960s or something, he made an observation that the number of transistors in a dense integrated circuit doubles every two years, right? So think about how phones are, like, that's why, you know, <clears throat> 30 years ago, a computer took up an entire room. Now it's like in your pocket, right? So, Moore's law is actually about computing power, okay? Metcalf's law, Metcalf founded, uh, I forgot what the company's called, uh, but they essentially came up with Ethernet. Okay, they invented Ethernet, okay? Metcalf's law states that the total value of a network is determined by the number of users connected to the network. So, essentially, the more users that a individual user can reach through a network, the more valuable the network becomes, even when features and price of a service like pretty much remain the same, right? Look, Elon Musk, uh, you know, can tweet a poop emoji and put a link in, and he can make, he can make probably $50 million like overnight. I do the same thing, not the same effect, okay? So Metcalf's law is really just about network scale, okay? So think about the smartphone, it, Again, you got to interrupt me when you need to, buddy. Please, because I'll just keep going. (laughs) I'm taking it all in here. Okay, so think about about smartphones, okay? An upgraded smartphone on a faster network technically enables more engagement, more content consumption, and sharing, which drives more participants to participate, okay? This is all going to come full circle as to like, some of your, your listeners will listen to this and they put these things together, which I'm going to help them put together right now. They're going to go, oh shit, I can do that just in my territory. And then when you can do that, you can let... This is the, the goal of this. What I want to happen... Let me take a step back. Whether it's through my program or through people listening to this podcast and they, they're able to do this their, themselves. By the way, you should never do anything by yourself. There's... Instead of wasting money on, like, random bullshit things, invest in yourself, please. But that's a, that's a whole other conversation. It's a whole another podcast. I would love nothing more than reps to have so much leverage. And a lot of companies are not going to like this, by the way. I want them to have so much leverage in their market that they just say – because, look, there's a lot of guys who work for, I don't know, J&Js, Medtronic, et cetera, and they're 1099. And I'm like, you know what? If you're 1099, why are you holding yourself to one company? Why don't you be an independent medical sales professional, independent consultant? Matthew Ray Scott and Eric Anderson talk a lot about this. So that way, instead of like, you know, selling, let's say, spinal implants, why don't you also sell the whole thing required for the, for the procedure, A to Z, and 10x your income? That's, that's the kind of leverage I want people to have.
0: So when you think about the the listener, right? Like a lot of us haven't really had this experience with network effects and, and we're starting to, especially in the digital age, everybody being active on Instagram, starting to get their feet wet with LinkedIn, realizing it's not, you know, just for the, you know, empty air thought leader or even TikTok. Where, where do you recommend that they start when it comes to building this network effects for their own benefit?
1: Yeah. So let me, I'm going to, f- I'm going to finish with this one example and we're going to translate to like where they start. I know I like I'm Perfect. going like very meta here. So uh, most it's sales all good. Yeah. So so think about this: the smartphone in your pocket is is ten times more powerful than the computers that filled an entire room just a few decades ago. Okay. The winning formula, okay, for it's the Web 2.0 era. Don't worry what that means. Which drove adoption to you know for like I think a billion users or something. In 2005 to 4 billion users in 2019, so four times the growth, right, is essentially network effects. Moore's Law, which is about computer power. Metcalf's Law, which is about network scale, okay? Now, if you look at the most powerful companies on planet Earth, okay, think of, I I put at the top, I'll put like Amazon, Google, Microsoft. After that, you got like Twitter and Salesforce, Uber. 70% 70% of the value that was driven by these tech companies is through network effects, right? And essentially, which is the leveraging of these networks, okay? And so this is one thing I was trying to pull it up so that way I don't screw up this, this formula. If you take exponential computing power, which is Moore's law, right? Which means, again, everybody who's on this, you don't have to do anything. The exponential computing power is like all your, all your uh, um, uh, uh, customers... They all have a smartphone, right? Does, forget about LinkedIn for a second. They all have a smartphone. There's exponential computing power because of that. And if you multiply that against exponential network connections, which is Metcalfe's law, there is exponential value. So just as computing power has increased, even though the cost and size have shrunk from room scale to a desktop to handheld, our computer networks have grown from a size of a room to company wide to worldwide networks. So simply put, Moore's law makes computing faster and cheaper, Metcalfe's law grows the size and value of a network. So what the hell does all that mean, where do you start? What that means is as a rep, you have a way to actually influence your local market in a domestic way, in a global way. For example, and this is actually a very good example, Somebody in my program, okay, um, posts occasionally. They do a pretty good job. And she um, had a surgeon, okay, who was – and I, I don't care to be politically correct, so I'll just be honest. This is, an, this is an Indian surgeon, okay? It was in the vascular space, okay? And this surgeon wasn't that active on LinkedIn. They had a probe, but they just weren't active. But she – was smart and and, and, and went and started growing her network. So it wasn't just her immediate market. You know, she would post and go comment on things and then started saying, oh, like this other vascular surgeon posts a lot of content starts following it. That other vascular surgeon was somebody, I think, in the Northwest or something, right? And starts growing her network. These are all surgeons who are not in her network, okay? And because of that network, just through engaging it, sharing some content, there are people in there are surgeons in her market who knew who, she, who started to recognize her face and name when she went to the hospital and then the Indian surgeon that she was connected with she on her own put two and two together and said oh this Indian surgeon went to this residency program there is this other Indian surgeon coincidentally who she just found like this is a lot part of this was coincidence and she said oh that other Indian vascular surgeon also went to the same, Program as this person, but like, ten years of parsoning, but they're somewhere else. And when she was in a in a case, or I don't know if she was in a case, she was in the hospital and she went and talked to this Indian surgeon. She said, "Oh, you know, doctor, you know, S, uh, something, something." Um, I, I, and he's like, "How do you know that name?" And she's like, "Oh, well, I actually, I, I, I follow, I follow him on LinkedIn, and I, I learned about this procedure." And he's like. I didn't even know that he, he, he's, he's on there, he's, and he's like, show me. So she showed him, and he was just amazed, and he's like, wow. And in that moment, and again, I don't know if the, you know, if what happened. This happened rather recently. I don't know if she converted him or not, but she used something online to gain insight and intel and reach and influence somebody in person, right? Take away you know, that the story. Huh? That story sounds really familiar. You remember the story that I told you about the same say, tactic? <laughs> it's, 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 it was similar to yours. I like yours. Go ahead and share your story.
0: Well, I'm just saying this. I'm interrupting Omar to confirm this, that I, I had a meeting. I, it's a complex piece of technology that's in my bag. Um, meeting with a doc that was somewhat interested in it, was willing to hear us out at his office, which these days, I feel like that kind of visit for what I sell is you just don't get that opportunity very often. And there were surgeons that I had been following really through this I mean, this whole like mad device thing, getting connected with Omar, which is a network effect in itself, right? Connected with people that connect you with other people. And uh, I'm trying to remember if it was like Dr. Corey Calendine. I know I dropped his name and a few other folks. Um, and turns out the surgeon I was meeting with Follows those other surgeons. And so when I referenced their posts about this technology, he was like, oh, yeah, I saw that. You, you see that, too? And it was this instant credibility from following these surgeon influencers, which is really what they are, uh, and drawing that connection. And, and not just drawing that connection, but just the fact that I was even interested in what those surgeons were posting brought the credibility, but also the deeper connection with the surgeon who then agreed to trial this product that, you know, n- not, not everybody's just going to agree to in your first meeting. So I, this has stopped Omar to say, look, this, this is very real. Now, I think what Omar was referencing with, with the woman in his course, that's even more powerful because she went above and beyond to make these connections, not just following somebody creating content, but actually figuring out you know the relatability and where to draw those connections so
1: absolutely and look you know the, again the whole point of a network the network effect is that <clears throat> i'm going to trade use myself as an example because this is where i first experienced it like over eight years ago now which is as you're using your you're growing your network like it's important to grow a network not just because of the size is valuable but because when you when you have a big network People forget that like, oh, they think like, oh, if I have a big following, a lot of people see my content. That's not the only reason why you need that. You've also added more nodes of data and information to you. So on a daily basis, you have more information that you're getting access to. And technically, your brain is a computer too, right? So you're processing these things. So I'll give you a perfect example because now it's public and I'm actually interviewing this doctor tomorrow. So this is going to be an episode. When I was at—so would you agree that if a device gets FDA breakthrough uh, designation, that's kind of a big deal? It's kind of a big deal. Absolutely. Because the FDA is pretty much saying your, your technology is so important to patient uh, uh, outcomes, we're going to fast-track it, right? And there's no predicate device, no. right, in this nope. instance? Yep. Exactly. That's exactly right. So, Which is very difficult <laughs> to do very anything difficult. without a predicate. That's exactly right. It's very difficult and long. So Petrero, the company I was at, they got FDA breakthrough designation for their algorithms just uh, a month or two ago. And Joe Urban po- made a post. It's public. Um, and he mentions three universities, Wake Forest University, which was the, where the principal investigator was, Cleveland Clinic, Florida, and Emory University. Two out of those three not only came through LinkedIn, but came directly from me. The f- one of them the, from Cleveland Clinic, Florida I was posting content just nothing crazy all I was doing is every time I went to a conference I would meet a doctor learn something go to a podium presentation take a photo with them post it things unrelated to our technology I was just documenting the journey right this guy from Cleveland Clinic I just wasn't even on my radar at the time I had to say this like I, I actually forgot that Cleveland Clinic like Florida even had a Cleveland Clinic it's, it's a huge one too um He was engaging with some of my content by just liking it. And then one day, like, he commented on a company post saying, like, oh, didn't know you guys were there. And so I was like, who's this cardiac anesthesiologist commenting on our stuff? So I sent this guy a message. I was like, hey, sorry we missed you at the show. I was like, I'd love to just get on the phone and learn more about you, tell you about what we do. He's like, yeah, let's get on. That's how the Cleveland Clinic thing happened. Um, and then he let, that led him to introducing to one of his colleagues, and that guy became a principal investigator. And the one that I'm interviewing tomorrow, who is the main principal investigator, this is what I did. This is where I'm trying to teach salespeople. You can, you can take your sales game to another level, not just in medical sales. They don't do this stuff in SaaS or anything. I have a, big, I have a much bigger picture than just medical devices, but med devices like my baby, and I'm, I'm like focused on this industry for the next 5, 10 years, however long it takes. I went and used LinkedIn to look at this, profi- this uh, physician's profile. He didn't post a lot, but the few things he did post and the few things he liked, because I studied and I learned what is the psychology of an innovator, not an early adopter, an innovator. That's like before the early adopters. And then I went and read the last two or three publications he made. And I remember that day saying, holy shit, this, this is the guy. And between the, and I'm going to tell, he's never heard this from me. I'm going to tell him for the first time on our, on my show tomorrow, between the language I found on his LinkedIn page and some of the publications, I made one message, two short paragraphs with the right words and the right triggers to send to him one time. And in one day he replies back to me saying, yeah, I absolutely would love to talk to you. We had a call the next week. The rest is history
0: that's incredible. And I think that is is part of a bigger picture of network effects, which is not just growing your network, but it's doing your homework. When I'm talking about the bigger picture. I got to use
1: that. It's not just doing it's not just growing your network, it's doing your homework. I got to I got to use that shit. Uh, but it is, I, yeah, right? That is right. Like, yeah. You can, you
0: can grow a network by slinging invites and DMs and posting content. And, yeah. But if you're going to do it right, you're going to understand your audience. You're gonna exactly. understand what they're interested in. I mean, it's just like I mean, you think about a normal sales call. If you're gonna go approach a surgeon or you're gonna try to get into a surgeon's office, or you know, I say catching them at the scrub scene, that's I feel like that's a terrible way to sell now. Um, but regardless, you're gonna do your homework. I hope. You know, you're you're gonna Google where they trained, you're gonna look up their bio. It's the same thing when you're doing this with the network effects in mind, right? Like you're looking at the content that they're interested in, you're you're looking at what they've been posting, who they follow. Stalking, I feel like is a it's it's a harsh term, but it's it's reconnaissance. It, it's that's, re- that's exactly correct. It's Fundamental core.
1: And, and you know what? And I'll make this, and then I'm going to ask you to to like get some airtime on a commercial break because I got to run to the restroom. Um, but here's the other thing. You're, you're, you're gathering information to make sure that that interaction you have with a person is enjoyable. That's why every surgeon I talk to, they love, and I mean this, like I'm not, I, I don't mean to sound like I'm bragging here. I am. They love me. You know why? I take a little bit of time to really do some just little analysis to understand what is this person into? What are their triggers? What are their, what's, what's their psychological profile? So when I talk to them, they're just, they're just drawn into, like there's, it's not an accident that I'm able to get these kind of guests on my show and I'm able to have them back, right? It's not an accident that, for example, and I can say this, he's, he's, he's totally okay with me telling him, Dr. Ira Kirschenbaum, Chair, Chair of Orthopedic Surgery at Bronx Care, founder of the Journal of Orthopedic Experience and Innovation, nicknamed the godfather of ortho just because he's, he's a New York guy and he's got that like godfather. When I first reached out to him when he didn't know me, he, like, I asked him, like, hey, I'd love to have you on my show. He's like, no, not interested. And then I used network effects. And what happened was I, I made some posts, and I made one specific post that I knew for a fact would get on his radar, right? It did because it had to do with, like, publishing, democratizing journalism and everything in um, medicine. What I didn't expect – because I was expecting, like, I'd post that. I'd let it get some, some, some um, engagement and then I was going to send it to him in a message saying, Hey, you know, um, I this is something I think you might have an interest in. I'd love for you to comment on this just to kind of share your thoughts. Well, guess what happened instead? Another orthopedic surgeon commented on the post um, who said, Hey, have you, like, do you know Omar Khatib? Like, you should check out some of his content. It's really good. Ira Kirschenbaum comments, Like, yeah, I think I know him. And then Ira Kirschenbaum sends me a message on LinkedIn having, like stonewalled me, like told me, no, I'm not interested saying, Hey, like, when are we going to, when are we going to like, uh, when are we going to chat? Like, I got to look, I got to look back and find that I'm going to do a case study. And I remember responding. I'm like, like, when are we going to chat? I was like, bro, I've been trying to like chat to you for a lot for a while now, but you didn't want to. And now, not only is he somebody who in- fully endorsed my program. If you go look at his, his, uh, LinkedIn, by the way, there's a reason why it looks like that. Like I helped him with it, <laughs> but um. He, he's given a network grand rounds on how to get ho- technology into a hospital, and he's become a good friend of mine. And part of it is – like we'll, on Saturday mornings, we'll, we'll Zoom together. This is the relationship I have with a surgeon. Why? Because I went and spent time to really understand what psychologically like what is appealing to him, what's important to him. And he's done the same thing with me. And we know we're doing that, but guess what? It makes the conversation much more easier to have and enjoyable, you know?
0: And also, that's one of the best. That's one of the best stories from one of the modules of your course. Is you actually talk about this entire sequence of events that that led you to reaching out to him in the first place? Kind of going through. I mean, really, the rejection, right? Like it was rejection in the beginning. Oh, he
1: like straight. I, I gotta, I'm gonna like, look like I'm hard, look at it like right hard, now. like harsh, very like, yeah, like kind of hard. And, and keep in mind. <laughs> I've built my brand up, like, professionally for a few years now. So, like, this is not, like, when I was getting started. Like, I had already built it up, and he, like, I got to look up exactly what he said. Like, he, he shut me down, like, quick. <laughs> like, it wasn't, it wasn't okay. was I, I don't remember. <laughs> it wasn't brutal. Um,
0: no, it, was, it wasn't mean. No, but no, But it was no, very no. direct was, from what I recall. It was very direct.
1: Hold on. I'm, I'm, I'm scrolling up. I, I, uh, here, hold on.
0: And, and and for those who who have oh, either started this course or been through it, I, if you haven't gotten to this I, yet, it's pretty look, good.
1: Ira, if for whatever reason you're listening to this, like you're like you're like you're like an uncle to me. I I love you, Dad. but I'm going to read this message from you. Um, okay, so in 2021, in August, <laughs> this is actually while I was still empl- uh, at another company, I sent a message. I'm like, hey, are you going to be in AOS next week? She's like, I will be there. I'm like, hey, fantastic. Um, uh, my company's going to be there. It's always nice to meet new people and connect I, you know, swing by our booth, like, it's, you know, averaging. And I was like, um, by the way, I was like, do you happen to know any like surgeons in private practice? That's like, you know, that we should check out. Like, it was just kind of, I was trying to start some conversation and he goes, I do not have any referrals for you. I'm like, yep. Okay. No worries. Um, you know, just try and stop by. Then I sent him another message. I'm like, hey, I was like, could I interview for our podcast? Uh, you know, just quick takes on AAOS. Would love to hear. Didn't hear from him. Following, send him another message. Hey, Ira, I l- love your posts on ortho. Would you like to come on my live stream, The State of MedTech? So now I've left my company. I started my own show. I was like, I have this thing called The State of MedTech. I'd love to discuss, like, new technology and also your society, you know, Journal of Orthopedic Experience and Innovation. So it's like all you. Can we do a next week? He's like, I appreciate the offer, but not for me. I was like, Yep, sure thing. But um, any any orthopedic surgeons you recommend I, I should have on the show? Maybe, nothing, right? <laughs> and then look, it's it's right there, bro. Look, that was on January fourteenth. On January um, <laughs> January twenty second, he sends a message, hi. Re-circling back, great posts on LinkedIn on open access model, just brilliant. <laughs> and then I was like, just circling back? What are you talking, bro? Like, You've been, you've been ghosting me for like a whole year practically.
0: You know? Well, but it's the perfect example of network effect, right? Like not taking a shot at you, but when you're approaching me in the beginning, it's like that... That rapport had not quite there been no, established exactly. when you're asking for He didn't know who something. I
1: was, what I was about, or anything,
0: right? And that goes for whether you're online or you're in person. And that's where when I talk about your course, it's not just online presence. Which, by the way, if you if you think this sounds like an infomercial, it I'm not gonna. Is d- oh, dude, I, I was gonna, I was I gonna shut. I hundred percent stay behind that, this. but
1: I was gonna <laughs> shut you down. like, I'm like, dude, I was like. We, no more, no more course commercial. I do, which I appreciated, and uh, I needed, I needed. My bladder's about to blow. By the way, but, <laughs> but, but, but just <laughs> quick side note. Like, I, I will say this because now, like, the course has been out for almost ten months now. It, it makes me feel so good, um, and I get like tight in the chest, like hearing these testimonials. Like, uh, one guy, Franco, made this like long post about how he was pretty, he was unemployed at the time and in between jobs, and he like ponyed up and invested in the course. And he used the course to land like a dream job of his in like four or five weeks, which which is remarkable. Like not a, that doesn't happen to people usually, right? But in the post, he's like, you know, uh, you know, I'm a single dad. I have two daughters. It's been tough. He's like, but this program was like a breath of fresh air. It like helped me do this and that. So I so the fact that you're you you're getting your results and you love the program so much, you you do want to talk about. It, I really do appreciate it. But definitely, let's let like <laughs> like. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, without trying to kill Omar here, like, I just, the here, whole you, reason you I talk roll, about I'm, it is because I've gonna, seen him. I'm going to run to the it. bathroom.
1: So you can say whatever you want now. <laughs> yeah.
0: There we go. Yeah, Omar's a piece of shit. Just kidding. Um, now, guys, I talk about this because I'm not going to pump you full of, lack of a better term, bullshit, when I think that it's something that maybe I have a financial interest in that offers no benefit. That's not the case here. Uh, this is something that I, I've been part of that I think was truly unique, which is why I brought Omar on a second time to talk about it. Something that offers true benefit. Um, sure, it's an investment for anybody who's part of it. This is not something that's that's cheap by any means. But it's something that, you know, you'll recognize the full benefits of over the course of time, if not immediately. All right, Red Hat Gang, we are back from the break. And we are gonna get into a little bit more specific tactics. We've kind of zoomed out, as much as I hate that corporate buzzword, but we have we've zoomed out to talk about kind of the macro of how network effects are applied at the higher level. And Omar is gonna give us a little bit more like actionable
1: advice and how we can use this. So I'll let you take it away, totally, man. All right. So what I'm about to say next, if you, the listener, who's listening. Even do half of the things I'm about to tell you, you'll find success. I, like, I, 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 I want to say I promise it, but legally I can't. But, you know, just most importantly is that the things you get out of this episode, God rewards those who take bold action, right? Um, as, as MDR is talking to me, um, which, by the way, you, many of you know him as Chad. I, my nickname for him is MDR, which is Mad Device Drop, just for context. Um, I'm sitting in the library, kind of getting away from Chad. It's weird. Yeah, I like MDR, man.
0: <laughs> that makes a lot more sense, man. That's how people know me, Mad Device Rep. Chad Devices.
1: It's it's it, that was kind of how I got away with LinkedIn. So yeah, it I'll works. Back to MDR. Um, but I'm sitting in my library, and I always tell people, I mean, look, I buy a lot of books, but just like this podcast, if if your learning turns into knowledge, that's how you become a fool. Your learning turns into action. It's how you become wealthy, my friends. So, the first thing I want you to think about is that Microsoft bought LinkedIn for $28 billion. Why did they do that? Why? It's a portal for revenue for them. So, they're investing heavily to make sure people spend more and more time on there. If you talk to anybody, forget doctors, they spend more time on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's got the number one rated uh, platform for trust, for confidentiality, for security. And unlike other platforms, You leave LinkedIn better, always, because of the value. It's academic. You can have deep conversations on there. People are are investing on there. They're, They're finding deals. There's deal flow on there. There's investors. CEOs are creating their careers on there. You're recruiting. And so the one thing I'll teach you is that the way the human mind works, the brain that is in your head right now that you're using to listen to this podcast has not evolved in millennia. It has not changed from the time that your ancestors were cavemen and cavewomen. Meaning that it did not evolve to, un- to understand the difference between the digital world and the physical world. Pay attention to the fact that I just said physical. Not real world. Both are real worlds. And so because of that, it's the same thing. That's why you have like, you know, things that happen on, online get translated into the physical world. It's the same thing. That also means that the life that you live as a consumer is the same life you live as a B2B buyer. Meaning that when your doctor or the hospital CEO wakes up in the morning and puts on their work outfit and go to the hospital, they don't magically become somebody else. It's the same goddamn person. It's the same person. Meaning, And this is why I, I've i been talking about this since 2015. And I'm getting a little bit charged right now because I will never forget the Morons and idiots who I spoke to at conferences, VPs of sales and VPs of marketing, CEOs, who laughed at the idea that physicians and hospital administrators would actually post and get influenced by social media like idiots. Because let's start with this you, as a sales rep, here's something that once you hear this, you cannot unsee this or once you, once you see this you can you, you will never unsee it again your linkedin profile is a product page for you okay let me give you a good example on my desk i'm going to make a i'm going to give a shout out to a badass author he's a he's he's a he's a this is a real investor by the way there's a lot of venture capitalists who are just like pushovers they 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 talk a big game they're like oh innovation everything They've never built shit. All they do is take LP money and then invest and then try and, like, have a board seat. Um, a real investor is a guy like Bruce Cleveland who wrote the book Traversing the Traction Gap. A quarter of a million dollars went into making this book. So if you want to learn how to, like, grow a company, get traction, raise money, just buy this book and read it. Now, what are you going to do when I, when, you, when I just said that? Are you just going to go buy the book? Absolutely not. You're going to go to somewhere like Amazon, right? You're going to look at the reviews. Maybe you need to see, like, for me, if I see a book with four and a half stars and has over 100 reviews, I just buy it. If the book has 15,000 reviews, I I don't care if it's on, on underwater basket knitting. I'll buy it. Guess what? Your consumer life, people spend more time as a consumer than a B2B buyer, right? And when I say B2B, that means business to business. So your doctor is a B2B buyer, okay? So then... As a salesperson, in order to get somebody to pay with their time, which is what's needed for them to pay with their dollar, they have to pay attention. Okay? And so when somebody gets solicited for a meeting cold, they're just gonna like know why. No matter how persuasive your email is, no one gives a shit. They're not gonna, they're not gonna care. The next level is that they're gonna say, well, who does this person that going to meet with me maybe maybe you said something that piqued their curiosity they're going to do one of two things just like buying a book just like buying anything else they're going to either google your name and you'll pop up immediately or which is the more common thing they're just going to look you up on linkedin and so when they land on your profile it is no different than the amazon checkout page your profile has reviews your profile's content so for example i bought a traeger grill the other day Maybe I just need to see a bunch of five stars. Or maybe I scroll down on Traeger's page and I see like those graphics they put up about the features of the grill, what's cool about it. Maybe I want to see some videos about it. Maybe I want to read the recommendations. So You probably just saw my story post. Did you post about this on your Instagram story, by the way? (laughs) Yeah,
0: my Traeger with the smoke and like the man device. No, I did not. I haven't been on Instagram
1: all day long, dude. I've been on back-to-back meetings, no. Oh, Oh. that's awesome. (laughs) No, I, no, no! I didn't mean today. I just meant in general before you bought the Traeger. Oh no, I did not know that you posted about your Traeger. Uh, oh yeah, I, I've been flexing with my Traeger. How have we not talked about this? I didn't know you own a tra- Traeger. Okay, well, a- anyways. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 clearly,
0: clearly, my network effects have not been strong enough,
1: but um, I'll uh, I'll revisit yes. that. So, so when somebody lands on your page, right? Just like when Apple. If you keep hearing about Apple or you get curious, when you go land on a landing page in the marketing world, you got one time that that person's there and you got to persuade them to do the next thing, which is like to, let's say, book a meeting or get more interested. So when somebody lands on my page, think about what let's, – let's go through the, 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 um, the anatomy of my page and how does that translate as a sales rep. When you land on my page, I have a clear photo and I have a clear banner. Why is that important? Because if you have a blurry image, or it's an old, outdated image, or it's it's like you have a beard now you don't have a beard, or maybe you you're blonde when you took the photo, maybe you're brunette now, you're not the same person. It's different. The brain doesn't have enough processing power to make to put two and two together. So that's clear. My headline. What does my headline say? Helping medical sales reps grow pipeline without stepping in a hospital. Why is that important? I start with who I help, who I partner with, right? Medical sales reps, why is that important? If you're in, a, if you're in a, a party and you hear somebody say Jessica and your name's Jessica and it's noisy, but somehow your brain immediately picks that up, why is that true? It's an evolutionary process. Physical world, digital world, there's no goddamn b- difference. Digital world, you see an identifier, somebody with the same name as you, which is persuasive, or an identifier of your title like medical sales rep, orthopedic surgeon, that's enough for you to get s- to stop the scroll, or to at least accept a connection request, right? You go. So Omar, can we talk about that? For oh a yeah, second? you got it because yeah. I, I was I, I was I was rolling down the hill, man. So yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I mean uh, downhill that makes it sound bad. Now, I would just say on a roll. But when you talk about the headline, there's a lot of reps out there that I think just view LinkedIn as this lens of. I want recruiters to see me. I want potent, uh, potential hiring managers to see me. So in my headline, I'm going to put, you know, five-time president club No one gives a shit. Uh, you know, Rolex winner. So what's your thought on yeah. that? Yeah. I think you just said so, it, but, no, no, but, but, but it's, elaborate. It's,
1: it, you know, you shouldn't be ashamed as a salesperson. Like, man, you win president's club five times. Be proud of that. You shouldn't be ashamed of that. You don't lead with that, though, because at the end of the day, what a, what a real salesperson is, is someone who can help solve problems and drive technology adoption. And I know that there's some schmuck salespeople listening to this just rolled their eyes like, oh, it's a salesperson who solves problems. But you know what? That's how you develop a reputation. You can give me anything. I don't care what it is. I can drive technology adoption. I know it because I know how to genuinely understand people's pain points. I know how to project that. And I know how to solve a problem. And as a result, people buy from me. It doesn't matter what it is. Course, million dollar robot, right? And so, so you think it, if you <clears throat> if you're if you're being more
0: descriptive in that headline, being very intentional, deliberative, what you're describing, so like that's not going to hurt your chances with the hiring no, manager. Look, they're going right? to
1: read more details on your profile. You want to optimize your profile for selling first and getting recruited second, right? So after your headline, let's say, g- give me a specialty to work with here. So let's say neuro. Neuro. Okay. So let's just say, what what? So, uh, fuck it. Yeah, I'm just gonna give. I'm gonna give a lot of weight a lot of stuff and uh, away for free right now. But whatever. I love doing that. I'd rather cannibalize my own products. So look, if you made it this far in the podcast, you earned. Yeah, it. you definitely earned it. Um. Okay. So it's a busy world out there, and people are gonna forget things. I have this thing that I got from. Uh, I, can't re- I wish I remember the guy's name, but he came out of Agora, which is a massive financial publication um, that's known for persuasive copy called The One Belief. You have one time to give somebody a, be- a new belief to believe in. So you start with the identifier. Who are they? So neurosurgeons. You either help them, partner them, however you want to say it. Then you want to give them a unique vehicle that helps them to do two things. In my opinion, if you're able to hit two of these things, it's persuasive. It's really persuasive giving them a vehicle to, to drive away from the current pain they're in today and arrive at the future destination of desire, right? So for example, helping neurosurgeons um, re- reduce, uh, reduce traumatic hematoma complications without making extra incisions, right there you go helping neurosurgeons you know safely operate next to the dura yeah exactly if you look at mine right helping medical sales reps grow pipeline without stepping in a hospital the reason why that's persuasive is that i'm focusing on a desire but i've taken an, a pain and made it an advantage it's like i can't get access to my hospital but this guy's saying he can help me do that and it's a good thing right now now exactly. at- can you repeat that formula one more time Yeah yeah start right. with a verb of who you help and that's the identifier and then when it comes to your belief you want to focus on you want to focus on a a desire a, a a a pain that they that they're dealing with today and a desire that they want to arrive at in the distant future And the thing in between, that's the vehicle that helps them go from where they are today to where they want to get to tomorrow, is your product. And by the way, let me just give you, this is for the marketers, but salespeople, you understand this is a million-dollar lesson here. Do not say your product. For example, when I was at Missouri Robotics, I did not go around, and even on my LinkedIn profile, I think I had it, I didn't say, Helping spine surgeons do minimally invasive spine surgery using the Renaissance uh, uh, system. I ta- I promoted the category, which is helping spine surgeons do minimally invasive spine surgery using robotics. Okay, why? You don't want to be an expert for your product, homies. That's that's sophomore shit. Sorry, I am like it's late. I'm just can't help but cursing. I have, I, I have this sort of like cross between a football coach and a gangster rapper. That's just, that's just my coaching style, man. So
0: bro, this episode's already being marked as explicit. Yeah. Don't worry about so, it. We're, we're already so too far past. So that.
1: people, you will, you will attract, attract customers to you like a magnet. When you become known as an expert for a problem, not a product, any, you can hire a monkey to be an expert at a product. Can't hire anybody to be an expert at a problem, right? When you show that you're an expert at a problem, now this thing that that every medical salesperson talks about, oh, I wanna be I wanna be consultative. You wanna be consultative, talk about the problem. If you learn another formula here, if you learn how to name the problem, frame the problem, claim the problem, tame the problem, you own the solution. That's the, that's, it's that simple. Look, I know I'm I'm running a business where I have a course. How often do you see me posting about my course on LinkedIn? I I actually should post like a little bit more about it. I never do. You know what I do post about? I own the living shit out of the problem of selling remotely to physicians in healthcare. That's what what I'm known for. That's why investors come and talk to me. That's why companies come and talk to me. That's why reps come and talk to me. So like for you, You'll have your moment to talk about your product, but you gotta get somebody to pay attention. You're not gonna get them to pay attention with your product. This is one thing that the SaaS industry screws up all the time. Like look, uh, I saw a great thing. Look, Apple is a trillion dollar company, but you're not Apple. When Apple advertises, it's all about the technology. It's like, look at how beautiful this product is, everything, and Apple does a good job. No offense to Apple, I love their ads. You know what? Pate, uh, Patek Philippe, uh, Philippe does. I don't care if I mispronounce that Patek Philippe is like just for people who don't know what that is. Their uh, Patek Philippe makes a Rolex look like an ordinary watch. It's a very expensive watch. Their their watch is all about the user, the person, you know, the the, the experience, the problem. Like their ads, like there's this one ad that says like um, you never own a Patek Philippe. You're only taking care of it for the next generation like so when you get good at owning the problem right you can attract those people and you know what I'm not telling reps you don't have to go and publish like clinical posts and everything but you know what your customers are publishing those posts and again here for the rep who's you know I need to do like a public service announcement for that one rep oh but Omar uh, why surgeons in my market don't they don't post on LinkedIn well guess what there are other surgeons who do go comment on those posts Oh Omar None of my surgeons, not not a single one of my doctors even logs in on LinkedIn. Okay, go use that information as data to educate yourself. So next time you're in the OR, you have something of value to share. Oh, Omar. So I got am I'm gonna. Sorry, can I? Can I make? Can, can, I make a can I make? Can I make one more joke about this rep? All right, one more, one uh, more joke, and then I'll then I'll tell you when I when I was there. Okay. Rep. Oh, Omar. Um, when I cover cases, I don't cover the cases anymore. I'm not even in the OR. Okay, so take the information from LinkedIn, use Vidyard and make a short video just to explain what's what, what new information you have or just type it up in an email. Hey, doctor, you know, I, I checked out like the new posts on new procedures on LinkedIn, did a quick summary and little report for you wanted to share it with you. There you go, have fun. There's ways to add value. It's a free product that you just made. You don't even have to, have to wait for your company to do that. All right, MDR, go ahead, man i was going to say Matthew Ray Scott
0: would be proud of the the Vidyard plug you put in there. Uh,
1: and man, look like uh, people ask me this all the time. Like they they'll they'll try and like pit me against him and Eric Anderson. Like, oh, I'm trying to make a decision no. between your program and theirs. Which one should I pick? I'm like, both, homie. I lost a deal the other day because like I get the guy didn't want to spend that much money, and he wanted something like more specific to ortho, which you know. It, it doesn't really matter. I was like, you know what? I think you should use. I, sh- I think you should go to Matthew Ray Scott's course because like it's really good. I've gone through his course, and and Matthew Ray Scott and I are collaborating on a um, on an in person training that we're going to try and do in 2022, uh, 2023. So like, like this this whole notion of like which one do I pick that I'm going to sit on and do for now and then I'm not going to do anything for five ten is just so stupid. Like let me let me tell you uh, a saying that I like to tell people all the time. Um and uh, oh sorry, uh, you're gonna say something I mean, the only thing I was gonna say is that
0: when you look at this i'm not gonna say industry, but the space of content creation, there's not one monopoly on this no like i'm not I'm not the king of meme creation We've got yeah dude, of yeah others dude, yeah there.
1: you are though i'm just gonna i'm it. just gonna like the other ones are good, man, but like it's it's kind of like it's like we're li- it's like living in lebron's world man he's <laughs> just dominant that, that's i okay i really you, do appreciate look, that me, me med, med, medical sales me making you are michael jordan uh mr med device is definitely scotty pippen though he, he's got some he throw down some good ones he actually he's not scotty pippen he's more like dennis rodman
0: he might be a combination of yeah, both. He might be a combination like, of both. He's Dennis Rodman. He's Dennis Rodman, especially if you if you see his last one, which is freaking hilarious. Uh, he's he's dude, he's a good one, man. Yeah. He's one of the real ones. Oh. He's good people. Like you you and I have both gotten to know he's him.
1: absolutely in the game. All right. Back to the tactics. Okay. So um, so these are things so I made fun so let's let us let us so so somebody so again. The more you think about your page as a product page, not only for your customers, but also for recruiting, recruiters, hiring managers, and investors. That was the one other thing that I never, I never talk about it much, but like I remember in 2016, 2017, 2017 that is, when I moved to Silicon Valley, right? And I just was like posting more. I had a few investors reach out to me for like due diligence advice. And then I had some uh, conference reach out to me out of the blue saying, Hey, we had a speaker drop out next week and we've checked out your LinkedIn we would love to have you speak and i was like oh like i was like oh my god yeah and they're like uh, could, like and they sent me like actually i'll, I'll say the amount because I'm, I'm i get paid a lot more th- for this now but like back then this was like amazing to me." but they're like can we would a thousand dollar honorarium work for you i was like you're gonna pay me for this i was like yeah so like you just you you don't know through a network When it's leveraged, like who's landing on your page and learning about you. So again, you want as much persuasion as possible on there, right? Including your about section. Your about section should not be regurgitation of your like career awards and everything. It should tell a story. Think about it. If somebody's on your page, that's the one time where they're like, man, I really want to learn a lot about this person. Don't like leave it sparse because then you're going to just be forgotten about. If you're, I've had people tell me that they've spent like a solid like 30 minutes on my page because they've like looked at some content that I created. Then they'd like go look at my, I have like 22 recommendations. They're like, oh my God, the CEO recommended him. There's these physicians. So for recommendations, like let me tell you something even more powerful than getting like a CEO of a company to recommend you. How powerful would it be for an investor or a hiring manager to go look and like, oh, who's on his, on his or her recommendations? And they just see like surgeons recommending you saying, this person, like, I, I actually was not interested in giving them my business. They won me over. They've provided remarkable support to all these things. And you can tell your customers, hey, say this, and they'll do it. And then go write a recommendation for them. Like, you know, Dr, Dr. Verdin is, like, one of the best spine surgeons in the area. If my family member needed spine surgery, I would recommend them. And also, he's a real innovator, great for technology, and I always recommend him, recommend startups to talk to him. They would love that right but do you realize what you
0: did and i almost hate that i'm saying this because this sounds cliche is you've turned your linkedin page into an experience no that's exactly what it is you you've, you've you've kept them there yeah. where it's not just they saw your headline that you're a five-time presidents club winner and you've won a couple rolexes and then they saw that you know you worked for a few great companies and then they stopped they saw things that made them want to Continue the experience. exactly.
1: Look, I'll give another example. Vincent Dellinger, who's really good at what he does. Vincent's in the, in the vascular world, he works for, uh, Phillips, right? So on his page, you know, great headline. He actually has this great, uh, hook where he says, follow me for weekly vascular content. I love that. So when you go to his featured section, he has some posts that like a vascular surgeon will recognize me because it's like, uh, angiograms and stuff, right? Well, those posts've I've been tracking because I've been using him as an example in my in my in my presentations one of his posts I remember when he first posted in many months ago it had like 20 likes it's now up to 70 likes because it's pinned on his profile and guess what I go and check who's liked it every like more and more I'm noticing that like a vascular surgeon is liking his post and again for that public service amount for that rep oh but Omar that none of those are in my market or like, what if they're not in my market? Dude, who cares? Guess what you can do? How, how powerful would it be to your team? If you say, Hey, uh, Janet, um, on my piece of content here, this surgeon just liked my post. I just noticed that this, this, this person's in your territory. It looks like they're active on LinkedIn. You should go see who they follow, what content they engage with. And again, if you start doing this as a sales team, so now let me explain the other side of network effects. Um, there's there's a lot of data on this so like there's this uh, company called uh Pharma EPharma Health or something they did a study from 08 to 2016 on access okay in 2008 what they what they defined as getting access to a surgeon or a doctor was that the doctor took 70% of the calls meaning like 7 out of 10 reps they met they met with in 2008 right. that percentage was 80000 with And this is with a study of like 400,000 physicians in the United States. Mm -hmm. Every year, it's gotten less and less and less. In 2016, that access was at 44%. 44% of physicians met. Now, I'm not a mathematician, but let's fast forward six years and throw COVID in there. What do you think that number is today? It's probably less than like 10%. You know, it's really low. Right? And so I mentioned this because... While that's happening, email's gotten harder. So, like these hospital IT departments are really aggressive about sending you. So, you can be sending emails. You, you, should, you could have really good sales activity. You can look in Salesforce and be like, oh, the salesperson's doing a great job. They're not getting any meetings. Why? Emails are going straight spam. You don't even know it. Your market, let's say you have a good market, let's say you have a marketer like me. Well, guess what? Paid marketing's gotten harder because of privacy laws, right? And not to scare everybody, Again, go look this up. And actually, for, for the people who click that link and just book time with me, you're going you're gonna to see this, these slides when I talk to you. Um, you know, Pfizer made more money than God last year. They made $80 billion. They laid off uh, close to 2,000 salespeople, right? This is like a Reuters article because they cited, our customers want more digital and virtual experiences. So they just laid these people off. Amgen, 500 people. Medical device is not immune to it again, look, I love my, I love this industry, but like I'm changing with the times and I spoke on it this year. And again, I'm invited to speak again next year at the LSI investor summit, the emerging MedTech summit, which is like when you commercialize a technology, if you're an investor, you're, if you're giving $20 million and the CEO's first initiative is like, I'm going to hire 20 people and just throw, throw shit against the wall and see what sticks. You got a problem. So that's why you can commercialize with five people it's using network effects. You have let's say, five reps throughout the country, okay. and each one of them is posting, let's say, the exact same content, that content is going to go to different parts of the network. It's going to overlap in some ways. And that's how, like, little Petrero, we were able to pretty much engineer a market between me, Joe Urban, and a few other people. We People thought we were a much bigger company than we were. We were just like 50 people, man. And Omar, can I back up to
0: something that we were talking about a second ago cuz I want to make sure we don't miss this. And you were you when you were talking about reps saying I don't have surgeons that are active in my territory on LinkedIn. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's a reality. Cuz been one of those before sure. where had surgeons that were not super active, like they had a profile, probably no picture. They had like three connections. But you know what they did have? Is everybody else around them that supported them that were active on exactly LinkedIn. and circulators text and, and and I want I want you to cover down yeah on that.
1: let me and let me give a an, an amazing don't and guys and gals don't abuse this tactic, off like believe it or not this is a small world I find out about this stuff you'd be surprised how how many physicians message me about specific reps and I I I just rain all hell down on them it's only happened twice by the way, so. For the physician who's only got like two or three connections on LinkedIn and everything, you send them a connection request because what invariably often happens is that when they, when they, when they use their LinkedIn, here's the other reason why you want connect, to get connected with somebody on LinkedIn. You get access to their personal email. If you click contact info and you're connected, they don't register with a work email. They have their personal email. So now you've like 10x your chances of getting in touch with them because your stupid competitor is blowing up their work email. And, they're, and let's just say they're not getting into spam They're competing with hundreds of other emails from nurses, from patients, from administrators, blah, blah, blah. You're not going to compete with that. Personal email, you definitely are. And a lot of physicians, I met the former head of the FDA, believe it or not, because they have all their personal info on there and they don't realize it. Like their home address, their personal cell phone. So I've called many surgeons on my cell phone to their cell phone. And, and they'll be like, I'm sorry, who is this? I'm like, "I'm it's Omar Khatib. We're actually connected on LinkedIn. I'm so sorry to bug you. This was kind of, you know, I only have a minute here. Your personal information is visible on LinkedIn. I just want to let you know, I'm going to send you an email to your personal email, just a link to LinkedIn that's going to teach you how to turn that off and make it private so other people just don't get access to your, to your personal information, including your home address.
0: Can we also back up for a second for something you just yeah. said? Is when you call them, you say, I only have a minute. Let me <laughs> not not. Do you have yeah. a minute?
1: Let me. Can you talk about totally that for a second? Nobody can cancel me at this point. So whatever. I don't work for anybody. Okay, that is a tactic. Like I said, I tell people read broadly. There is a there is a book that I read when I was a young man, by Neil Strauss called The Game, and it's all about pickup artists. And so what I learned when I would approach a girl, uh, at a bar, to ask a question to engage her in conversation. The first thing I would put is a false time limit by saying, I'm like, hey, can I get your opinion about something? I only got a minute because I gotta get I gotta go back to my to my buddies over there. And then I would ask. So again, treat you know, here's the other thing. My I'm gonna quote my my great and late mentor, Chris Sells, who passed away a few years ago, who's a legend in medical sales, absolute bona fide badass, the godfather himself of surgical robotic sales. You need to you need to treat your time with value, the same way you would treat your customer's time with value, and so when I meet with a customer or a or, or a prospect, I make damn sure that it's not going to be a waste of my time, right? And, and and let me tell you, I know what it's like when when you're trying to get deals done, when you're trying to grow a pipeline. Like I've been there, man. You know, have I done it for ten years? No, I haven't. But I know what it's like when. You're under the gun of like quota, I, like just for context. When I was at my last company, the SaaS company, I was under the gun of quota every quarter, like specifically with leads and and revenue, everything. So I got pr- I got squeezed constantly, okay. But you gotta be you gotta be willing to be very objective and hard with yourself and be like, you know what this ain't the right the ain't the right doc like and you got and you got to figure out what it is and you know I'll I'll tell you something that's really valuable like if you deal with a tough surgeon so I I'm, I'm going a little bit off on a tangent here but if you're dealing with a tough surgeon now this is good yeah so one of my favorite questions to ask so let's say you talk to a surgeon and I've spoken to surgeons like where super skeptical about the technology and I just I just tell them like hey look you know I'm so I Here's, here's another persuasion framework I use. I disarm them by just like saying, hey, look, I'm, I'm only doing my job here, but the feedback would be really helpful to me. Now, so one of the most powerful thing that uh, I think um, Benjamin Franklin uses, a Benjamin Franklin tactic, asking an enemy for help because you endear them to you. So and a surgeon is not an enemy, but so I would say, look, can you just give me give me some feedback here what would what would you need to see in order to adopt this technology? Which is, by the way, I say that, and I'm kind of giving away some secret sauce here. When I talk to people about my program, before I, before I show them anything, I, I, I tell them the price of the program. And I always say, I'm like, look, I'm not saying that you're going to make that kind of investment today. And technically, I don't allow anybody, just anybody into the program. You may not even qualify, but what would you have to see hypothetically to just say, yeah, I'll do that because guess what happens instead of you trying to guess and do these like mind games and BS, you know, these like random quite like I, I like, I like asking questions, but put yourself in the surgeon's shoes. At some point they're going to think like, okay, where the, where the F is this going? So when you just cut to the chase and you're concise, Hey doctor, thank you so much for meeting with me. I know you've, you've learned about our technology and everything. Um, I just want to get this out of the way. What, what, what are the two or three things that you would have to see specifically in order for you to adopt a technology, right? Again, you don't start the conversation like that. It depends on w- at what point in the pipeline they are. But sometimes you just have to ask directly. When you're dealing with a hospital CEO, CEO or the CFO, you just have to ask directly, hey, what is it going to take to get this deal done? Because if they're like, hey, you got to give it to us at 50% of your costs, thank you, the wrong account. You just and you know what you may have lo- you may have lost a the deal there, but guess what? You just bought back a lot of time. You can go close somebody else. It's like, hey, thanks. Which, by the way, great opportunity to talk about how you MDR pulled it over on a really bad customer and took their ass to town. <laughs> can, <laughs> yeah. we, can we, can well, we cover I, that for quick quick we,
0: sidebar? We, we can we can cover that. Yeah, this was a while back, but um, you guys have probably seen me posting. It's. More so recently, more more than I have in the past about customers that you know piss us off and certain surgery centers that are trying to take advantage of us, and and that's a real thing. Uh, there are customers out there that can be a little bit more opportunistic, where they're trying to. Um, for those who understand military history, it's kind of like the term "faint," where they are. Convincing you they're going one direction and then they entirely go a different one at the last second, uh, almost something that we can do as a sales tactic, but often don't for the sake of a partnership. Uh, so there was a customer. This is a this is about year year and a half ago that uh, man I had been bending over backwards, and I am going to call it out. It was this was a partially surgeon owned. Uh, surgery center, Uh, and and I don't even think the surgeons had any idea of what their management company was doing when it came to the purchasing decisions, so they would ask me super last minute for things like loaner instrumentation, uh, disposables, things that they weren't even really paying for at the time because they're trying to string you along that they were going to buy this capital equipment and i wasn't the only person in this boat i wasn't the, even the only company in this boat that they were doing this to and they would string you along to support the cases as they would get up and running to support the surgeons and then you know what they would do in the end they would buy from a third party not not just your competitor cuz that that would be understandable not not necessarily like forgivable after all of the effort you've been through but but understandable right no, 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 they, they would buy from, from, like, eBay or, like, a reseller at, like, this tiny fraction of a cost to get this just complete garbage equipment at this huge discount uh, right behind your back in the middle of an active negotiation after they had just squeezed you for all of this support and, like, free, pro- not free product, but because uh, uh, we, we'd bill them for it in the end. But you understand where I'm going with this. So it happened to me for, for like the second year and I don't even know why I fell for it the second time. Like that I thought things were gonna be different. Because they had another guy managing this place. That was that was a good person. Um and so when it got to the point that I found out again they had gone behind our back after a competitor told me that did it to them, again, they did it to me and I and I had enough. So I, I had structured this particular, uh, it was kind of a, I won't say casual because there were teeth in it, but something that I'd gone out of my way to structure an agreement. You could use my equipment uh, for several months, but the kicker was, in the end, if, if you if you do this again, if you buy third-party equipment, I will invoice you for all of these months of using my equipment. It was It was clear as day. So, guess what happened? After months of using the equipment, somehow, through some kind of disconnect, again, they bought from some kind of third-party provider, and the, uh, we'll call it the C-level of this group, uh, decided that whatever I had done at the facility level to them was, was invalid, this agreement where we were going to bill these charges. I had a purchase order and everything, so they, they got nothing. Um, I actually tried to, to reconcile this with them to say, Hey, like, okay, you're telling me you had an employee going rogue, uh, somebody that wasn't authorized to make these decisions, uh, reached out s- s- multiple times in the spirit of partnership. Cause I liked the surgeons who operated this group. Uh, s- some of which were partial owners, nothing radio silence, uh, minus one email, I was borderline questioning my integrity of this group, or of this agreement, in which I I sent the entire paper trail. And that's when I got the radio silence. So you know what? Uh, I fired them as a customer for maybe the s- second time in my entire career of you know, well over a decade. I told him that I was no longer going to support them. I was no, go- no longer going to enter the mortars, no last minute support. Guys, I don't take any pleasure in this other than the fact that you get what's coming to you. If you're a customer listening to this, that is not how you treat your sales reps. I know it's all a game. I know that there's plenty of negotiation that goes on and negotiation is a game in the first place, but there are just some downright nasty negotiation tactics, especially when you're taking somebody and expecting all of these things from them, you're taking advantage of their time, their good nature. And not only did I enter every single charge that I said I was going to enter for the usage of the equipment, but I had cut them off uh, almost downright from our company, who actually had my back on this. So might be surprised to hear that. So the reason Omar and I had talked about just telling the story is it's okay to fire a customer? And if your company doesn't think it's okay to fire a customer after something like this, you're working for the wrong company and you're working for the wrong leadership. Because you're not a pawn, you're 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 not there to just get. Comp- you're you're not a doormat. Let me put it that way. And if a customer's going to treat you as a doormat and not have any interest in a partnership, then cut them loose. And if you're not in a position to cut them loose, go somewhere where you can. So, that's all. We'll land the plane there. Uh, you, you are you, 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 you will be treated as you allow your customers to treat you. You don't have to go in with a hammer and an iron fist, but you do have to set boundaries. I'll damn, leave it at damn that.
1: straight. And in trying to land the plane, I I push you aside as your co pilot, and then grab the throttle and pull us back up into the air just for a little bit, because man, it's so true. And like, look. If there's, for the reps listening, there's two, two sayings I want you to try and adopt. I, 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 this is, these are sayings that I would say I, I've adopted as part of my, the way I like to do business and the way I like to, uh, develop relationships, which is number one, I'm very easy to work with, very hard to work against. And the second one, which I always, I, 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 I say this always with somebody who I'm about to do like, uh, like a, like a business deal with, like, investment, something, and I always tell them like, hey, no no offense, this is all business, Don't, I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but I just need to let you know something, which is the way that I run my life is this. You treat me good, I will treat you better. But if you treat me bad, I will treat you worse. And I don't want that to happen. Run your life like that. And it, it sounds a little intense, but you know what? Like, life is intense. Life is pain, as my friend Dr. James Showery, who's uh, I'm very proud of. He's a he's a, uh, Houston's top trauma spine surgeon. He's gonna be the top trauma st- spine surgeon in the country. Um, but by the way, can I can I uh, uh, while while you're talking, I just I, I will admit, like I I opened LinkedIn just to check it uh, on something real quick. Can I can I. Uh, rail i'm not gonna mention the company name it's a, i'm actually kind of pissed because it's a company that i angel invested in but there's a post that i just saw that i just really like annoyed me like, can I talk about this for a second yeah go okay. ahead I, I built so uh, in on the marketing side i really built my career on conferences like i in I would go to anywhere from 14 to 16 conferences a year i was always on the road like i i was like a warrior when it came to that there's a psychology to conferences, to selling at a conference, including how you present your technology, even how you stand next to it. Like for example, in my booth, I i, I, break, I break people if they bring drinks and garbage in the booth. I'm like, do you, do you, this is not a bar hangout, right? I never, I don't get like, and a lot of marketers disagree with me, like, I don't care. I never had food in the booth, none of this nonsense because it takes away from the technology. People are there to hang out and eat and, 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 and do nonsense rather than actually learn about the tech. So I just saw a post by a company, and I, I, get, I get it, like this, this guy's a head of marketing, he's showing a fun post. It looked very bad, and here's why it looked bad. In this post, you don't see the technology, Right? I think it's, a, it's actually, and it's mainly because it's a SaaS company, which is fine. Um, there's barely anybody in the booth. You have like one random guy looking. And on the main monitor, on the main TV of this booth, is the World Cup. And it's like, hey, had a great day at this conference, even caught the World Cup. And that really pisses me off because if I was, a, as an investor in this company... Like actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna message the CEO. I'm actually really pissed off about this. I mean, I'm not like like I'm not like a investor that threw down like millions of dollars, but still, like this is nonsense. That degrades the, the the technology. It degrades the company's presence there. It's like, oh hey, we just spent all this money at this booth, but hey, like whatever, let's put on the World Cup. And I know what's what this guy would would argue. It's like, oh, but it attracted like people to the booth. I'm like, yeah, for the wrong reasons. When you. W-
0: yeah, I think it's – they're going too hard for the relatability piece, and that's a good way to drive traffic, but not meaningful traffic. That'd be like if I'm advertising to a bunch of – not d- doing this for just blatant rivalry hate, but if I start advertising towards pharma for the engagement, right, is that who I really want to attract?
1: Is that yeah? Is that my audience? Yeah. And and by the way, just to uh, – It might be a reaching analogy. No, no, no. I think it's spot on – just to kind of bring this back real quick to the rep and, and their LinkedIn and everything. Let's just take a, a case where none of the cost, customers are on there and everything's so just like, why should I do all this? Your next job is on there. Your next investment is on there. And so the best thing you can do is develop, grow your network because this, this Rolodex, this is your digital Rolodex. It goes everywhere with you. And I'll tell you like, It's very easy to convince somebody to hire you and even relocate you like it did with me when you can show like, hey, look, I have an engaged network of physicians or surgeons in this area, that area, publicly, like when you're at, like the best way to advertise yourself is like when you're at these companies, engage with physicians, have physicians engage with your content because hiring managers at other companies see this and they're like, How's this person getting this engagement? Like that doctor's engaging with this person. Oh God, like this guy, this rep went in commenting on the surgeon's post and the surgeon's commenting back with him, right? The, the, the key to selling, let me, and I'm, this is very philosophical, but tactics are great. But if you understand the philosophy, it's a way of living and acting and you can get results. The way that you should sell is that the persuasion is done by the time you get on the call, which is why for my calls to get in my program, they are not sales calls. All of them are closing calls. The persuasion has already been done. Just like when someone gets on the phone to talk to me about anything, they've, got, they've been persuaded by, forget just my content, my LinkedIn profile by itself, right? And so whether you're trying to interview for somebody, right? Like one, Look, one of the associates in our, in, in our program, he just started in the industry just a few months uh, – not a few, six months ago. He got, he got approached by Intuitive, like just out of the blue, and, and he's interviewing with them tomorrow. So it's kind of like rather than you going to an interview or into a sales call to do a song and dance and try and like pitch and everything, how much more powerful it is it if you go in where the persuasion is already done? You know, the doctor has learned about you as a salesperson. And I, I can't f- believe I forgot this. Here's the other thing. The, uh, MDR, this is, like, this is like the most important thing. I can't believe I, I, I didn't mention this at the beginning. Um, every sales trainer, every sales course, every, everybody in sales, what do we all focus on? Closing, right? That's what's to focus on. Mm-hmm. Let's pretend that year close rate is 75%, which is high, it's really high. Say my chloroslate is 25%. If you had to put money on it, who do you think will win? It's not a trick question, by the way. I mean, obviously the highest close rate. Right? Until you de- dive deeper, and again, this is where data becomes, math is your friend. Math needs to, the, the numbers don't lie. You know, there's a saying, the devil's in the details, you know, which means like if you sign a contract, Mm -hmm. it's fine print. The other side I like to say is like God's in the details. Okay. The other side of this is that if I'm able to put, uh, let's say, 10 or 15% more deals in my pipeline than you, the -hmm. numbers just work out. That's why, that's why, like, growing pipeline, sourcing deals and packing pipeline, you can be you can suck at closing. But when you do that, it doesn't matter what your close rate is. I mean, you can work on that, but that's the what every company has an issue with, it's very rarely the close rate. It's always a, the top of the funnel, packing the pipeline problem. And part of that is how do you position how do you persuade? And as a salesperson, this is this is the million dollar thing. When you reach out to get a meeting with a surgeon, when they meet with you, the reason for meeting, and, and for the rep, listen to this very carefully, the reason for meeting is you know the technology, the company. The reason why they're meeting is because of you. The sooner you realize that that meeting, you're the product of that meeting. Because when a physician is going to pay with their time, which is very, very valuable, right? Mm-hmm. They have to ask, Am I going to get a, a valuable exchange for my time here? And so, as a sales rep, if you're able to position yourself before even talking to a physician as a person of interest, as a person of knowledge and insight, right? And again, forget about your product and company, and everything. You know what I did for the first 3 years when I was really going hard at LinkedIn? Every week I put a video of me reviewing a book. Do you know how valuable that became? Because I became a per- people learned from me. And so that's how I actually found Omar's content. Yeah, that's right. True story. That's right. And so True and story. So, physicians if you didn't know the culture of physician, of medicine, they're obsessed about knowledge and history and all these things. And so physicians are also on LinkedIn and not doximity because they want to learn about leadership. They want to learn about sales. They want to learn about marketing and product management. And so things that are like just average stuff for you to a physician is like, like, look, you know what a rep could do? A rep could very easily start a little post series about uh, selling, you know, and just document really interesting ways physicians have been able to sell something to a patient like, you know, like a patient who was, let's say diabetic and did not want to stop drinking Coca-Cola. Here's what this physician did to sell them, right? And just deconstructing that, you'll get salespeople following that and learning from it. You get physicians. The, the sooner that you realize that, hey, I, you can only do so much as a salesperson because you're not in product, you can't influence the product. But you can influence everything about the product of you, including the emails you send the physicians, the content you source. Look, another million dollar tactic. Uh, give me, a, uh, MDR, give me a random specialty uh, vascular. Vascular. Okay. Vascular surgery. Um, so you go on this thing called Google, you go on Google and type in Google Alerts. Google Alerts is like an, a free service from Google. In there, you can type things such as vascular surgery and then let's say procedures related to vascular surgery like vascular access, blah, blah, blah. And you can say, send me alerts once a day, once an hour, once a week. I recommend once a day because it's once a week, it's just a long list. So every day you get Google alerts in an email, hear like some stories and news, journal articles, everything, curate that. And then if you find something interesting, post it on LinkedIn, but then go through your customer list, get their personal emails, Send them each individually a message, on LinkedIn and also their personal email. Hey, Doctor Stones, hope you're doing well. I know you have an interest in um, interventional vascular access or whatever. Um, this is a new article that just came out, and I wanted to share it with you. Here's a quick summary, kind of like a quick, quick highlight of it, and here's a link. Hope you have a good day. Do that every single day. Do that every single week. They cannot help but reciprocate, but by just saying, yeah, you know, let me just take a meeting with this person. That's value. And how's
0: that going to hurt you? I get, you, you take an educated approach to it. Like how's that going to hurt you? And I think some of the skepticism among sales reps when it comes to LinkedIn, this is probably something we should have talked about earlier, yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> this is, this is the reservation, is people are like, oh well, LinkedIn's nothing but people that are just stroking their own egos, like posting about their own achievements. And to a certain degree, it, it is true. It is depending on the people you follow. Yeah. It's reps that are talking about, like, new jobs, which, and that's becoming less irritating to me because I think it's maybe just becoming more normal to announce it's, your new job, There's whatever.
1: nothing wrong with that. I do that all the time. But, Every time I start a new but, company, I take a picture of myself with the company. There's nothing wrong with that. But if that's the only thing you, you yeah, post, yeah, yeah. that's where the problem that's
0: is. That's my about. point. That That's that's my point, is you don't hear from somebody for years, and all of a sudden they get a new job. You're like, eh, okay, whatever, you get a new job. And then all of a sudden it's posts about their achievements. You're like, Oh you you did that all by yourself, like nobody else helped you get to wherever uh, it was, yeah. like your quota or that's I think that's my that that was my previous beef with it, but that's not what defines the platform. That you mute those people, if those people suck there's, there, hit the little dots, and mute them uh, because there's so much other great content out there, and I guess my point is you can be a part of
1: that. There's other reps that I've and started to follow. That have that great insight. Absolutely, and and something something I'll mention. There's two things. One is, um, you know, in 2008, YouTube got acquired by Google for a billion dollars. I don't know if you remember, but in 08, YouTube was like, oh the the website that I can like watch do-it-yourself videos and I can throw up home movies. That's what YouTube was. Nobody thought. I think
0: it was like watching old Greg or like Salad Fingers and weird yeah, shit exactly. like that. That's oh my what god, YouTube was
1: Salad Fingers. Oh god <laughs> Yeah. But nobody thought, like, this is TV. And so you could have just – I wish somebody told me, hey, Omar, you like doing book reviews? Just every other week, just throw up a random book review. That's why a lot of the people who blew up and they're making millions of dollars now, they're just gamers. They just throw up their gaming videos, not because they're any good, but because nobody else is doing it. I'm telling you right now, especially the fact that LinkedIn – Microsoft owns it. LinkedIn is the center of the universe when it comes to B2B business and professional development. So right now, what people are thinking, just like back with YouTube, is like, oh, LinkedIn, the thing where I, I throw my resume up and, and 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 job search, but man, look, people are investing on there. I just ran an investor campaign the other day on it, right, and it, it, it we actually got investments, right? Not we, but the company I'm helping, right? Um, it's a place for like continuing education webinars. I'm doing webinars with CME credits for doctors, right? There's, I have a news this is just the beginning. And so
0: first people are reaching out to me on LinkedIn, trying to buy my company. I'm like, y'all don't understand. Like we're still working on that part.
1: Yeah, there we (laughs) go. Exactly. And so there, there is opportunity on there. And again, as a rep, what I would say is this as a system, you have no idea how this, these platforms, because these, these platforms are built on network effects. So you could be posting, engaging. You don't have to create a con- bunch of content like me. Just use the thing and comment and engage and grow your network. You never know. It takes one message and your life changes. I got one message that changed my life many years ago about my career, right? Look at what I, look what, what's going on now. In term, you know, LSI, it's the world's number one investor summit for med tech and biotech. The way that happened... The founder of LSI, Scott Pentel, two, three years ago, like noticed me on LinkedIn, sent me a message, hey, I'd love to invite you to my conference as a guest. First year as I, I go as a guest, I, I have conversations with Scott, yeah, I really impress him. Second year, I have two talks there. Next year, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a gold sponsor of that conference now. And I'm speaking again. That happened all through LinkedIn. You have no idea what's gonna happen. I mean, look, if you're a rep, Maybe you love working for your company, but you know what's something I want for every single rep, especially every person in my program: leverage and options. Now it's the end of the year. I'm getting, I'm spending a lot of time on the phone with people because people in the program, they're getting a lot. Like this guy who's interviewing with Intuitive tomorrow. He's very happy with his company, but he's like, "Should I take this interview?" I'm like, "You should take every single call. Yes, you absolutely. know, absolutely." And yeah, Intuitive's
0: so- a great company. Yeah. Why not hear them out? And
1: then some, and then some people. Um, they're starting a new business where I said, look, stay, stay at your current company, but like you can consult on the side with some of these startups. They'll pay you, right? There are some reps like yeah. – like there's are SaaS companies that uh, I've told. and I'm, So I'm trying to engineer a market as well for the people uh, doing this. But there are SaaS companies where I say, hey, you're selling a private practice software. There's this rep that I know that's covering like three practices. Why don't you just commission them like 50% recurring? And they'll and they'll they'll make and that's that's an introduction and you're not supporting a case or anything that's SaaS it's installed in the office and you're done, you know.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like what Third Bridge does, but it's even more specific. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Look, uh, no, sign, it, sign it, up with Third Bridge. Sign up with um guy with oh, uh, uh, guide, uh, guidance. I think. Yeah, and and that's where you can you yep, get solicited think- for um, due diligence. I used, like dude, When I was 29 years yeah. old, I was getting paid like four or five hundred bucks to jump on a call for an hour and talk shop which I would do for free. You know? Oh,
0: it's amazing. And Third Bridge uh, my experience is one of the better ones it, um, I agree. and they're pretty specific too about about not trying to make any conflicts of interest with your current company. But one one of the last things I'll say before we bring this to a close, Omar, is, bro, we're just we're, the, we're just, we're just bringing the, this to an open man. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I wish, man. I think that we'll have to put yeah, that into a part you, two because you remember, I remember, I remember, I'm on Central Time. You're on, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're on, you're know, on Pacific yeah, yeah. Time. I know, <laughs> uh, but uh, but uh, the thing I, I want to tell our listeners and the Red Hat gang here is some of what this takes to, to apply is courage. And you have to remember to not just completely keep this focused on self-preservation because when you're post, whether you're directly reaching out to some of these surgeons that are in your territory or in their sphere of influence, or if you're just even making direct posts, I know there's some irony here since I'm kind of an anonymous figure, but I do this for my own personal page. Is it takes some courage because you're putting yourself out there, but let me... Challenge you to ask yourself this if you are putting yourself out there, what is the worst that's going to happen? Are you going to get judged by your peers, the ones that are too scared to do this, the ones that are too self conscious that can't get over themselves to make these posts? I'm not talking about the self centered quota posts, I'm talking about the ones with real substance. What's the worst that's going to happen? So, going forward, build a presence. Don't just build your personal brand about yourself, but build that presence about what your expertise are. When I think about what do I want to see from others that are on my feed, what is going to make other people, not just your customers, not just recruiters or hiring managers, but your peers, stop their scroll on LinkedIn to read what you have to post and listen to what you have to say. So with that, Omar, uh, I'll give you some the uh, closing notes here. Yeah. Uh, on, on how people can learn more about what you do and how to find you because this is very valuable stuff.
1: No, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So just, I'll, I'll just piggyback on what you shed, said and just share, share a very quick story. There's a young man who I mentor who actually is in my program, but I mentored him before that broke into the industry on his own, uh, out of college at a very big company. Um, and he got promoted from an associate to a territory manager. So he got twice promoted within nine months. He, he killed it worked hard um, you know started interviewing for some new companies cuz some companies reached out and he said I said yeah take the interviews and he went and interview to one company and these two um, you know you, you marked this explicit right so i'm just going to i'm i'm sorry but like yes, i i, I did. should you know what? Fire i away. really I, I have a i have a kid i should really curb back the cursing but no nah, i can't I, I can't i this this one is 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 definitely warranted these two washed up fucking losers uh, who are your stereotypical reps that have been at the same company for like 30 years, 20 years. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. Didn't even, I don't think they even had a LinkedIn profile. Um, When they interviewed him, brought his LinkedIn profile up and this guy's a young man and they just shat on him. They just ripped him right like, oh, like you, you know, in this about section, you say you help orthopedic surgeons, blah, blah. Like if, I, if a surgeon read that and said, heard that you help or th- help them, they, they would say that they would never meet with you again. Like they would, you know, my, my surgeon would be like, screw this guy. Who does he think he is, blah, blah. And, and they just shamed this guy. And I remember that day he called me. I felt like I was talking to the younger version of myself because this happened to me many years ago. And he felt so ashamed, he went and deleted his About section and was, like, taking stuff down because these pieces of shit couldn't help but feel jealous of this young man who was very ambitious, who was trying something new, who was providing value. Um, and I would— I Felt threatened. Very threatened. And like I said, and here's the thing you can laugh at this if you want, but like trying to escape the matrix, my friends, you know, when you try and go against the machine and the system, the system naturally has little drones like that, that defend itself and they're going to come after you. And you know what? What I say is when the haters start coming after you, that's, that's an indication you're on to some next level shit. And most absolutely yeah and now and I, I want to just wrap up by saying this is that most most of life's and forget about just using LinkedIn just in general because there's reps in the middle of quota quarter right now they're just struggling most of life's greatest opportunities they're going to come out of moments of struggle and it's going to be up to you to make the most out of these tests these tests of creativity of, of your creativity and your character and Just like for me, like in my business, the moment of struggle for me is that there was a period of uh, like uh, uh, a slowing down of my revenue and everything, and it was pretty scary at the beginning, and I saw that as a test of my creativity and character, and rather than contract like the rest of these paper hand, lettuce hand companies, I decided to expand and go harder, spend more money, go more aggressively. And, man, did that work out well for me. And so for the reps who are out there who are struggling, like, look, man, the way that you're doing things is not working. It's just not. How much more time are you going to waste? Time only goes, goes one way. It just goes away. How much more time are you going to waste doing the same thing over and over again, hoping for a different outcome? It's a definition of insanity, right?
0: and your company's not going to help you with that. You know, when it comes to a training and development standpoint, you have to own that. And I'm not saying that your company's going to encourage you to fall flat on your face. But you're in charge of your own development no matter where you work. I've been in this business long enough to understand that. And that's where people like Omar, people like us come in
1: to help give you that extra nudge. Absolutely, man. Like look, and in, invest invest. No no company will pay money to say, hey, we're gonna invest to help you make more money. It has to come from you. And MDR, I know that it's getting late for you, but like, can I, can I, um, can I do a? Uh, first of all, can I go to the restroom real quick? <laughs> go ahead.
0: I'm gonna pour another drink. <laughs> Right, celebration, bitches. <laughs> 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 Dude, I never fucking drank bourbon like ever, but tonight's the night. Are you cutting? That's a you, full bottle of bourbon. That's a that's a full bottle of bullet that I've got in my liquor cabinet because I never drink liquor. But this is also the last because I'm not trying to get fucked up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> are you gonna? You're gonna cut this part out, aren't you? No, fuck it. False. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, of course. False.
0: I'm going to cut out like the I'm going to cut out the gap where you're like I got to take a piss and I'm like yeah, I got to take a piss too and then it like cuts out for like 5 minutes. <laughs> we just leave that in there. <laughs> that, that actually would be that would be actually amazing. That'd be like some Andy Kaufman shit. <laughs> that would be um,
1: <laughs> So, kind of forgot where we left off. To uh, be honest. Oh, I was gonna wrap up. I was gonna wrap up. I had a, I had a, um, uh, uh, what was it? yeah. I had like a little, like one little tiny rant, and then I'll be done. You got me all. You got me all. You got me philosophical.
0: Well, I know that was my par- that was my fault about talking about the courage part of it, but it had to be said because people are such pussies that they got to hear this. Um, Here, they got to cut that out too. Yeah, <laughs> I'll bring us back. I'll bring us yeah. back with it. Be like, all right. All right. All right. Omar has got a closing rant for us. So let's
1: go ahead and hit it. Yeah. So, so this is the last thing I would say, and this kind of goes beyond like, uh, you know, course or anything like that. I mean, just regarding that side, you know, I'd love, I, I nothing makes me happier than speaking to salespeople and helping them. I've spoken to, I've done over 108 calls now, um, the past two quarters. So if you're interested to just get some feedback on your LinkedIn and also learn about the program, look, you're going to get free million dollar advice. Again, my goal is always you walk away with a minimum three ideas. And if you qualify for the program, you know, we'll talk more about that. But just click the link below. It doesn't go to a webinar. It's going to go straight to my booking page and you're just going to book time with me. So there's that side. But the last thing is that I, you know, I'm a man who appreciates um, philosophy, which means how you should act, what actions you should take. And so for the person who made it to this very end of this show, whether you believe in God or the simulation, you don't know if I was actually placed here specifically to speak to you. And I'm speaking directly to you. And, you. and I know what you might be thinking, which is, this guy's not talking to me, me. I am actually talking to you. And so I want to leave you this one thing to think about, which is whether you're at the beginning of your career or at the end of your career, The most important thing you can think about for your career in life is optimizing for skills over bills. It's like the the first six years of childhood. Your education and training is going to influence the rest of your life. And we're right now in a turning point in history, in the economy, in the market, in our biology, in so many things. So obviously it's happening in your career because that's like the least influential thing, right? The world is changing. And like most people, you probably wanna buy things. And if you wanna be able to buy things without looking at the price tag, you have to be willing to do that by working without looking at the clock. And I'm gonna say that again. If you wanna buy things without looking at the price tag, you're gonna have to be willing to work without looking at the clock. And if you don't come from a rich family, it's okay. Then at that point, a rich family must come from you. All progress is going to start by telling the truth, my friends, and taking action on it, which I'm very big on. It's not just words. It's not just hopes. It's action. And so it's not enough to think about it. You have to articulate it to hear it. That's why I'm telling people, hey, look, click that link and book, book time with me, and I'm going to help you articulate that. I don't care if somebody joins my program. The best thing, the reason why I was put on this planet was to help unleash people and I'm going to have you articulate things that you've never spoken about before and these calls I've had people cry even I don't care if you join the program I just want you to get on the call so you can articulate these things problems that you're facing right now in your market your territory your boss whatever all of these my friends are great things I could have stayed in SaaS, I could have stayed in tech, I could have made a lot more money and, and lived a much easier life. I came back to this industry because this industry has a lot of problems. And all those problems are just opportunities disguised in work clothes. I know it's hard. Many of you want to leave. I'm telling you there's money to be made in this industry and there's lives to be changed if you do it. So in saying that, I'll wrap up by saying this. The reason why I have all these books behind me, the reason why I have a course, the reason why I love sharing knowledge is that what I've learned, reading all these books, talking to very successful people, is that when you learn everything, you can become anything. 10 years ago, I wanted to be a salesperson. I wanted to be a marketer. Now I wanted to be a business owner. I got to do all those things. It's the same with you. Everyone has a choice between one of two pains. Pain of discipline or the pain of regret, one of those two things is going to set you free. And so with that, I bid you best of luck. Now, we can let MDR finally get to bed. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you this. I wasn't going to
0: slow Omar down. We've got a lot of great advice tonight. And just like you said, knowledge without action is jack shit. Now he said that more eloquently, <laughs> but I'm going to put it in real terms. Because if you you listen to this, you know there's a lot of great nuggets of wisdom. Uh, but if you can't find ways to take action on it, then you just wasted your time. So, Omar, thanks again for coming on the show for the second time. I know this is not our second podcast together in general, um, and it's
1: also not the last. And, and for some, and so, somehow, it, miraculously. This podcast was actually, I think, from what I can check on the time, was shorter than the first podcast.
0: Yep, by about uh, twenty eight minutes. But that's gonna that that clock's gonna keep going. So, uh, so not by much in the grand scheme of things.
1: But um, you know what we need to do next, MDR? We need to do a 24 hour telethon. <laughs> oh God. Let's, God. let's let's raise money for uh, Jerry's kids or something. Oh, yes. I did.
0: The, I, you know what? I, I did one of those, and or I used to do one of those in high school. Uh, they, they gave myself and one of my best friends our our own show for the telethon, and that was like the biggest mistake they could have possibly made. Oh, but we can talk about that can, in a different can time. I, can
1: I? I'm going to selfishly use your audience for something, okay? And I'm going to put you kind of on the hook for something. And, wait, it's it's not it's not Amway, is it? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I had some candles to sell no um, ah, So if you heard of multi-level marketing <laughs> don't even get By me the started. way just side note if anyone ever asked to have a meeting with you and they in the words Passive income comes out of their mouth. You're in for a long hour. Just get up and walk away. Just say I'm not interested. There's no key key fact here sales sales tactic when it comes to like objections there's no way to to uh, overcome the objection of I'm just not interested. What are you gonna say to that? Well, also, if they ask it,
0: if they ask if you've ever read Rich Dad Poor Dad, just bail. Oh
1: yeah, that's actually yeah, that's a bail. good one too. Yeah, that's a good one. That's usually how that yeah, starts. That's a good time. But, uh, um, but, uh, so,
0: so, but uh, what what were you actually trying to so do with this?
1: This is not gonna work for the people who are listening on Apple, but I want you all to go over to Spotify and do this and MDR you're going to put a poll. Okay? Oh yeah. Or yep. or not a poll. You can add, don't put it as a poll cuz I can't think of just make it a text a text response, okay? Yep. And the question you're going to ask is for the first medical sales meetup in 2023, what city should we do it in? I'm I'm ready to start doing Shit. some live Let's go. I'm, I'm I'm so I'm I want to I put a lot of thought into this. I'm going to talk to Scott Pantel of Elside to get his advice cuz he puts he puts on that huge show at at uh, the Waldorf Astoria. I want to start doing some live events in person. I want to travel a little bit next year. And I also want to get to a You think you think huh? You think the nations ready for the mad state of medtech? Oh man, I I think they're absolutely ready for it. Coming to a city near you and then I want to get enough steam cuz I just want to have a big mamma jamma conference. Cuz you know what? A lot of medical sales companies they don't do these like insane Wolf of Wall Street sales sales conferences with these awards and everything. I have a plan. I want to make I want to make enough revenue. I want to start giving out some Rolex watches. Whoop, <laughs> I almost Are you going to get a money gun? I You going to get a money man, gun? I like with real money. You know, I don't the optics like like straight the Benjamins? optics on that may not be good. <laughs> I try to take I try to take a page out of pharma. You know, for pharma execs, they they only stay at Holiday Inns and everything because they're like we cannot stay at a nice place. The optics will get will get destroyed. But if if you crushed it and quoted like I do, want to like uh put some. I have a little profit center. I set aside money for, and I'm like, what what's some cool stuff I can do with this money, you know? Um. So yeah, but the first thing is. In person meetups, um, I want to know what city we should do that in. And when I say in meetup, we're not talking about just a little happy hour. Like I want to have a day where we do some some in person masterminds on like sales tactics, career career advice. Like you know, I'll pull from my network. I'll get some people to travel in. At the end of that day, it's gonna be you know a fun fun party and happy hour. I want to make this fun, man. I you know what? It's time to make medical device sales great again. <laughs> i was
0: gonna say make sales meetings great again make
1: sales meeting great again <laughs> <laughs> let's go
0: well you know what i'll do that i'll do that in the uh in the notes section of the show for spotify and you know what we can also do that on the story of the mad device rep instagram page
1: maybe maybe we should i was gonna say instead of the spotify thing why don't we just um um, I'll, I'll, oh, we, do both. we can do both, but I'll create, I'll create a Google, um, a, a Google sheets or a survey monkey, uh, poll. And then we can, we can see what everybody says.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Well, that sounds good guys. I think that brings us to the perfect place to close and land the plane here. And uh, Omar, thanks again for coming back on. Always a pleasure. I feel like this could have gone another two hours, but for the sake of the fact I'd have a territory to run tomorrow. We had to cap it. We've got to do these things in the evening because, again, got a territory to run. But uh, if you guys want more resources, be sure to check the show notes for more information about Omar's course. Again, I promise the investment hundred times worth it. Uh, check the www oh,
1: Go ahead, say, Omar. Book book time with me. Uh, book time with me. Take advantage of that sales call. Let me let me just help you. If you qualify for the program, great, but I just, I, I want to make a name as somebody saying, yeah, you know what, in my sales career, Omar, I talked to Omar Khatib one time and he helped me out a lot. That's all I'm trying to do here.
0: Um, and I can vouch for that because Omar and I have had many conversations where it has had tremendous benefit both inside and outside of his course. That's why he's here right now. It's also why we're good friends because we are on the same wavelength in that respect. Um, Also, the website www.maddevicenetwork.com has got some additional resources for you, all the information about the podcast. And by the way, we're getting close to getting into the last month of quarter four for those on the traditional fiscal year. So best of luck. And if you need that extra boost, also be sure to check out the subscribe feature for the Mad Device Rep page. you subscribe, we've got some key advisors. Omar is one of those subscribers. I'm am a, I'm a paid subscriber chats.
1: and it's I it's it's like the best <laughs> subscription I have to be honest. I've subscribed to other Instagram stuff and I've canceled. This is like worth every penny. I'm loving it.
0: <laughs> I think and I can stay behind this. It might be the only Instagram page with a subscribe feature that actually does anything with it. So, yeah. We've got biggest feature, group chat. That's really what I want out of this is I want people to have the opportunity to connect. So be sure to check that out. And if you need anything else, you know where to find us. Omar on LinkedIn and on Instagram, just like myself,
1: the Mad Device and, and TikTok. LinkedIn your and boys Instagram. on TikTok now and TikTok. Even though the CCP <laughs> is like monitoring me at every moment now, but the, you know it's all good. <laughs>
0: That's why I can't believe you joined it, but uh, <laughs> I'm on it too. So we'll get our data stolen again. Hey, there you go. So anyway, Red Hat Gang, good luck through the rest of Q4. We'll be talking way before then, but if you need anything, you know where to find the two of us. So good luck out there.